Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sampson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche, I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. That's me. Welcome aboard. If you're a newcomer, if you're a returning listener, then thanks for coming back. And if you are a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, well, the numbers there are growing. And it's fine that's the case at the start of uh, all seasons, whether it's a junior or college hockey, uh, September, October, the numbers grow and uh, largely because I think of the uh, season previews that we do. This week on the program, we are finishing up the WHL team-by-team previews with the U.S. division. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, next week on the program, we're going to be uh, doing all the other leagues. We're not going to talk WHL for a couple of weeks. We'll get into the OHL, the Q, the NCAA, the USHL, leagues like the AJHL, and maybe the BCHL. Get you updated on the North American Hockey League as well. So uh, we're going to take a break the next couple of weeks from the Western Hockey League. But a busy show today which means we're not going to dive in too much into the news and notes. We'll run through some of the leading scores that we see and, and uh, get right into the meat of the show. Reminder, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Go to wilhaukbeefjerky.com. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. It's Canada's best. It's the planet's best beef jerky. They will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. Just go to their website at wilhawkbeefjerky.com. As for the news and notes, let's get to it. The uh, WHL, eight teams still with perfect records. Obviously very, very young into the season, but let's go to the uh, stats leaders. And we just saw the new stats leader in the league here in Edmonton last night as Connor Bedard had a three-point night against the Oil Kings. He had a four-point game last weekend. He leads the league with seven points, but uh, hot on his heels is uh, teammate Tanner Howe, who had a, a terrific game yesterday against the Oil Kings. Gabe Clausen of the Portland Winterhawks has six points, all of them goals. He is the goal leader in the WHL. Jet Larson has five points for the Red Deer Rebels, and Borea Vallis, also the Regina Pats, has five points. Now, the Pats have played three games. Uh, nobody else in the league has played that many just yet. Six games in the WHL on Friday. Everybody is getting into action now, and that is great to see in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League which also started last weekend, except for some of the uh, maritime teams, which you would understand with uh, Hurricane Fiona uh, wreaking havoc on uh, Canada's east coast. And now the uh, 
East Coast of the United States is getting it from Hurricane Ian. Uh, bless everybody out there. Hope everybody is staying safe. Uh, just devastating to see the destruction online or on TV. Hey, don't look now, but the OHL is joining the fray this weekend as they kick off the new season. Seven games on tap in the OHL on a Friday night. Six more on Saturday. And by the end of the weekend, everybody will be playing in the Ontario Hockey League. NCAA also starting up this weekend. We'll get to that schedule here momentarily. The USHL a week into play as well. And uh, right now, Samuel Harris uh, from Sioux Falls leading the USHL in scoring. He's got four goals and five points in two games. Number of players with four points. So it's a tight race in the USHL for scorers. The North American Hockey League is a couple of weeks in. There's only one team left with a perfect unblemished record, and that would be the Amarillo Wranglers, who also started last year off on a hot streak. Well, right now they're 6-0, but two teams in their own division right behind them at 5-1. That would be El Paso and New Mexico trying to track down the Wranglers. Top scorers in the Nall right now, there's four of them tied with 10 points. It would be Hunter Jones from Oklahoma, Matthew Bryle, from the Chippewa Steel, and a couple of Maryland players, Cristiano Catalano and Gabriel Westling. All of those guys have 10 points. Cade Nielsen from Chippewa has seven goals in seven games. In the Canadian Junior Hockey League, the top 20 rankings have been released. Oddly, the top team in the Alberta Junior Hockey League is not among the top 20. I don't know why the Brooks Bandits are not there. Maybe I missed a news release that the Bandits are not eligible to be ranked or something this year. Uh, but the Collingwood Blues out of the OJHL are the number one ranked team, followed by Steinbeck, Princeville, Verdon, Battlefords, N- the Navingrads, Humboldt at number seven, Carlton Place, Yorkton, and Milton. That's your top ten. 11 through 20 goes Summerside, Miramichi. Saw their rink uh, in person a couple of weeks back. Uh, Terrebonne, Camrose out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League is the top-ranked team in the AJHL. They have a record of 4-2, and two, by the way. The Spruce Grove Saints, who have a record of 4-1, and one, they're an honorable mention, as are Drayton Valley and Whitecourt. Drayton Valley is 3-2, and two, and Whitecourt is 2-1-1-1. One and one and, one. Uh, and meanwhile, the Brooks Bandits, who are in first place in the AJHL with a record of 5-1-1, one one, 11 points, they're not ranked. Nor are they given an honorable mention. Very confusing to me, but maybe I missed a, a memo about that. Uh, one more note in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Friend of the show, uh, Brad Flynn, was hired as the head coach of the uh, Bonneville Pontiacs uh, in the offseason, uh, but has had to leave the team uh, due to a family medical emergency. He's got moved back to Ontario. Uh, wishing the best for, uh, for Brad and his family. Uh, the Pontiacs do pretty well in uh, finding a replacement on short notice. Mario Pouliot. And if that name sounds familiar, he's a two-time Memorial Cup uh, champion. Pouliot was the head coach for the Acadie Bathurst Teton when they won the Memorial Cup, and as well as the Royal Noranda Huskies when they won the Memorial Cup. So pretty, that's a massive addition to the Alberta Junior Hockey League's Mario Pouliot. We'll see if that transpires to uh, a better record and wins on the ice. Can't hurt, that's for sure. Bonneville currently sitting third in the North Division with a record of 3-2. and two. All right, and as I mentioned, the NCAA season gets going this weekend. No games on Friday, but Saturday, a full slate of uh, contests. In the CCHA, just the one game, Bowling Green against Northern Michigan. Hockey East, the only game is Connecticut taking on Vermont. 
uh, several exhibition games, including some against U uh, Sports Clubs. Manitoba and North Dakota do that every year. But your non-conference schedule looks like this. Ferris State will play Miami. Uh, St. Thomas welcomes St. Cloud. Minnesota Duluth hosting Arizona State. St. Lawrence goes to uh, play UMass Lowell. Western Michigan is up in Anchorage, the return of the Seawolves this year. New club Lindenwood is, the, well, they jumping right into the deep end of the pool going up against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, Boston University hosting Bentley. RIT will square off against Union. It's Ohio State against Mercyhurst. AIC against Alaska. That would be the Nanox. And Northeastern is going to play Long Island. Also listed as exhibition. I don't know if these count or not. Uh, but they are NCAA Division One teams. Uh, Lake Superior against Michigan Tech. Colgate against uh, RPI. Air Force will play Colorado College. Minnesota State against Omaha Sacred Heart against uh, Massachusetts. And Holy Cross welcomes Boston College. I know College Hockey News put out their preseason all-CHN teams. And each conference was doing that. Quick look at that uh, College Hockey News first team. They got uh, Reese Gaber from North Dakota as well as Carter Mazer. From Denver, Matt Coronado of uh, Harvard. Those are the three forwards. Defensemen are Luke Hughes and Brock Faber from Michigan and Minnesota, respectively. And uh, Devin Levi uh, from Northeastern as the goaltender. Uh, two of those guys, Canadian, Reese Gaber and Devin Levi. The second team has Aiden McDonough from Northeastern, Matthew Nyes of Minnesota, Landon Slaggart from Notre Dame, uh, Mike Benning, Canadian, from Denver, and Scott Morrow uh, playing at Massachusetts, the goaltender, Yaniv Peretz of Quinnipiac, Canadian. And the CHN all-rookie team has Adam Fantilli, Canadian. At Michigan, Logan Cooley from Minnesota. Cutter Goche at Boston College. Seamus Casey with Michigan. Luke Metalstat at Minnesota. And Caden Umberico uh, with uh, Colorado College. Number of Canadians listed there. I might have to do a uh, preseason all-TPS, all-Canadian team. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, if you're following me on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy or you're a patron. Maybe I'll put it on the patron page before uh, tomorrow's games. We'll see. All right, let's get to the guest list for this weekend. Uh, all of my guests will join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Three ways you can uh, order online and pick up whether you live in Calgary, Edmonton, or Red Deer. You uh, go to troubledmonk.com shop. You'll see the instructions on how to place your order online. Then you can go to the tap room in Red Deer or the farmer's market in Calgary or the one in Edmonton and pick up your orders there. Of course, you can always go to your local liquor store, and if they don't have Troubled Monk in stock, demand that they get it, because it's available to them anywhere in Alberta. Here is the guest list and the order that we will do it. We're going to start things off with a 2023 draft spotlight, and why not go with the guy who is ranked number one overall, and everybody is expecting Connor Bedard to be that first guy taken at the draft. Well, he is on the Pipeline Show this week. Chatted with him on a Tuesday as that team was getting ready to come to Edmonton. Uh, so we were uh, talking about this season. It's not dated because they played last night. Don't worry about that. But everything you want to know about Connor Bedard, I uh, had a, a fun chat with him. And then we will get into the conversation with the five U.S.-based uh, teams and the general managers from those teams. We'll begin with Bill LaForge, the general manager of the Seattle Thunderbirds. From there, it's a conversation with uh, Bob Torrey from the Tri-City Americans and Dennis Williams, his counterpart with the Everett Silvertips. Mike Johnston is up after that with the Portland Winterhawks and will close things out with Matt Bardsley. He is the new general manager 
of the Spokane Chiefs. So we got an absolutely loaded show. And a quick reminder about ProStockHockey.com. It is your place to go for authentic Pro Stock Hockey equipment. Check them out online. You can also follow them on Twitter, at ProStockHockey. New Coyotes jerseys are in stock. You can get free personalization on all kids' sticks right now as well. So go check out all the details at ProStockHockey.com. Connor Bedard in the 2023 Draft Spotlight. He leads off the Pipeline Show this week. We'll do that next. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, this is Cody Glass from the Portland Winter Hawks. Gets the draw. Glass walking towards the net. He scores! First period hat trick. It's natural from Cody Glass. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, everybody. An old man's talking. We are back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Two locations, actually three now in the Edmonton area, but you can get it anywhere in Western Canada by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. We are going to begin this week's episode in a fine fashion as we turn on the 2023 Draft Spotlight, get to know a player who's eligible for the upcoming draft, and my next guest isn't going to have to wait long on draft day to hear his name mentioned because he's uh, projected to be the number one overall pick in the 2023 NHL Draft, and that of course means Connor Bedard of the Regina Pats is on the Pipeline Show. Connor, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic, uh, but it's not my draft year. You must have been looking to the forward to this season for a long time now, and now that it's finally here, uh, pretty excited to get this year going. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, you know, growing up, you kind of get excited for that year, and um, I mean, now that now that it's here, you're still just focused on your team and and all that. But there's definitely uh, you know some extra attention and, and noise. But you're no stranger to that. I mean, you've been in the spotlight for years now, so after a while. Does it almost become second nature to you? I mean, you're, all the scouts are in the building every night that you play. Do you even notice them anymore? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think you really think about that when you're playing. You know, there's, there's people in the building. You don't, don't see anyone, you know, specific, and you're you're just there folks on your team. And, you know, it's always team environment. So it's just kind of in the room, and uh, you're just, you just want to win and, and obviously perform well. Well, the start of the season here for the Pats, uh, splitting a home-and-home uh, home with the arch-rival Moose Jaw Warriors. Uh, no points in Game 1, then you brushed out and hat-trick and an assist in Game 2. Uh, what was the difference between the two uh, uh, games for you and for the Pats? Um, yeah, I think for me it was both games were pretty similar. Just the second one, you know, I was able to find the back of the net. And, you know, for us, I think it was uh, just kind of after after our goals we weren't you know getting in too high and, and we gave up a lot of goals right away so it's just kind of staying level-headed and you know, we were able to get that win what are the expectations uh inside the dressing room i know all the pundits have you know whether you guys are a playoff team or not and what's going to happen with your rights this year and all that stuff but inside the room as a team how do you guys feel about this season 
Uh, yeah, we're excited. We, we know we have the room, but uh, we know we can we can win a lot of hockey. And so I think it's uh, you know it's even a few years here in Regina that you know we haven't made the playoffs, and you know we're we're excited to. Go compete for that and try to get back in there. Connor Bedard is my guest. He's the forward with the Regina Pats and the projected number one overall pick uh, in the 2023 NHL draft. Uh, and Connor, what we like to do in this part of the show is let the audience get to know somebody that's in your position, being that it is your NHL draft year. Now, the Pipeline Show is a uh, junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will know everything about you already, probably. Uh, but there'll be casual NHL fans that will listen to a, a show like this and they don't care about junior hockey at all, but because you're a big-name prospect, uh, they'll tune into an episode like this just for this conversation. Uh, and they might not know everything. So let's start at the beginning, and we'll we'll go through some pretty generic questions. But first off, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from North Vancouver in uh, British Columbia. Do you remember how old you were when you first started skating and first getting into playing hockey? Uh, I think I was five, four or five when I started playing hockey. Okay, and who got you into hockey at, at that young of an age, or is it? Hey, you're a Canadian, five years old. That's what most of the young boys are doing at five. Yeah, I think it was more just kind of trying out, you know, different sports. And, uh, you know, that was obviously the one I, I liked the most. So kind of just stuck with it and, uh, you know, been playing for a while now. Have you always been a forward? Yeah. So never tried the blue line, never threw the pads on, even as a kid? Uh, I mean, when you, you rotate goalie sometimes, but, uh, you know, I always wanted to, to be a forward. I get that story a lot from players. You know, the coach will tell you it's your turn to take, uh, put the pads on uh, this weekend. And you had a game or two like that. What What was that experience like? Yeah, it was, it was a long time ago, but uh, <laughs> I don't think I was very good. I remember playing it in roller hockey once because it was kind of the same thing. And, and I, don't, I don't think I was great, so I think I'll just stick to stick to forward. Yeah, it seems to be working out pretty well for you, Connor. Uh, let's uh, tell me about your first. Uh, a trip to Regina as a member of the Pats and first maybe the the Bantam draft and being taken first overall. I, I I don't imagine that was a surprise that you were the first overall pick, but you know going to a a franchise like the Regina Pats, really storied and historic like that, but it's a long way from home. Uh, how did you feel about it? Yeah, it was just it was just excitement. I mean, uh, like you said, the storied storied franchise that it is. You know, see, there's a, a lot of great players that came through here and. I mean, it, was, it was weird for my draft year. I didn't go through Regina until a year later in the bubble because of COVID and everything. So mm. there's just a lot of anticipation and excitement. Yeah, it's weird to think this is your third year in the WHL. And for a lot of I mean, you haven't had the, the trip through the United States yet, or you haven't really gone to BC at all because the conferences haven't crossed over. It's a lot of half the league you haven't played against. Uh, it's a little strange, isn't it? Do you feel a little bit robbed of your WHL experience that way? I don't know. I don't know about Rob. I, even you know, getting to play in the, in the bubble at 15 is is more than most guys got at that age. So hmm. uh, last year was pretty normal. Other than that, and uh, other than the, making the trip, obviously. So uh, I mean, but we're we're super excited this year to you know go go to BC and, and obviously have the state team state teams come here. And uh, for a lot of us, it's going to be our first time playing them. So you know, we're looking forward to that. Are you telling me the bubble experience was a was a fun one for you? I think there was a lot of guys who were probably going crazy after a while. Uh, I mean, we hadn't played hockey in, in over a year, so I think it was it was more and it was it was very enjoyable for most guys, I think. But hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was fun for me, you know, first first WHL experience, and you know, I enjoyed it. Well, for a lot of players, uh, the training camp is the start of the season for you. It wasn't because you got to play in the World Junior Championship, the uh, the do over, the reboot. 
of the 2022 version uh, back in August here in our city here in Edmonton. Uh, do you think playing in that tournament gives you a bit of a head start going into this year? Or? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's always you know good when you're playing games and you know especially at that level and practicing at that level with those guys. So I think it could definitely help me. You know, for all the guys that were there, just just having that competitive competitive nature and you know being with the best players and playing against the best players in the world. So. I uh, just that stuff I think will help me be going into the season. How do you feel about your tournament here in Edmonton? Yeah, I thought, thought I played pretty well. I mean, you know, whenever whenever you're in a tournament like that, it's not about you know how you play personally, and you know, obviously we, we came came out with the gold, so uh, it was pretty special, and you know, uh, something that you know I I don't take for granted. All right, uh, Connor Bedard is my guest uh, for the uh, draft junkies that are out there. There there will be some people who. Believe it or not, haven't seen you play yet, whether it's on TV or, or in person. For those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, can you give us a self scouting report? What's what sets you apart from uh, most players your age? I mean, everybody considers you the best seventeen year old on the planet. Why is that? Um, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question, but uh, you know, for me, I think I'm a pretty good two hundred foot. I think uh, you know, pretty 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 skilled offensively. Um, you know, I love to love to make plays, and you know, I think I'm pretty creative. So, um, I, I I find it tough to get myself to get a report, but you know, it's a little breakdown. I think to this point in your career, and you're still a young guy, and you got lots of hockey to to play. But what's been the career highlight for you so far? Um, I think your team's gold and World Junior gold were, were definitely up there. Uh, you know, first game of the Douglas School, and you know, I think all those experiences are are tough to compare and. You know, there's stuff that you know you uh, you know for a long time. Take me back to your your you know your first season in the bubble with the Pats compared to now. How are you a different player? How what's the evolution of Connor Bedard been? Where do you see the growth in your game so far? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, you know a lot of two hundred foot. You know, I think now I'm you know starting kind of mid mid to end of last year, just being tested in in all those situations. So, uh, you know, that's something I want. You know, I think just over the past couple of years with, with coaching and, and experience it's just been you know, more of a complete player this will be your final season in the western hockey league uh, as everybody expects you in the nhl next year i'm sure you do as well what do you hope to accomplish or what areas of your game are you really trying to focus on right now uh to get you better prepared for next year yeah i think just continue that evolution of you know being more of a more of a complete player and um, for me that's that's really important and you know, I think, uh, you know, scouts, scouts will want to see that. Uh, you know, out of, out of, out of every guy they're watching, just, uh, you know, being, being good in all three zones. Uh, your shot is something that a lot of people would say separates you from most players your age. Is, do you think that's a fair uh, assessment? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, lots of guys in this, in this draft they have pretty good shots. And, um, you know, for me, it's just, you know, I, it's something I enjoy doing. And, uh, you know, I practice a lot throughout the, throughout the years. Well, 51 goals last year as a 16-year-old in the WHL and 100 points. It's, that's pretty remarkable. Are you a guy who sets statistical goals for yourself? I want to get this many goals or this many points. Do you do that at the start of the season? No, I'm not going to, if you are, I'm not going to ask you what your projector, what your target is this year, but I'm just curious if, if that's something you do. Uh, not, not really a, you know, exact, exact point total or anything. And then you're kind of just always chasing it. And, uh, for me, you want to, I mean, obviously, you want to get points, and that's that's a uh, you know big thing for me as a you know offensive player. But uh, I think if I'm you know setting that number, then you kind of always feel like you're chasing and uh, get to your head too much a little. 
So when he hit 50 goals last year and 100 points, were those at all a surprise for you, or was that what you were trying to accomplish? Were those targets that you had maybe set aside in your mind? Um, maybe kind of near in the end of the year when you know you see you're close and mm-hmm. uh, you know that it's achievable, then you kind of think about it. But you know, like I said, I don't really set those set those goals. So I don't know if I was just surprised. I would say I was happy about you know getting those milestones, but uh, you know I think I wasn't thinking about it too much. Well, five-point night in the final game of the regular season last year. I mean, you were trying to get your team into the playoffs, I understand, but uh, bumping up your point totals and hitting that century mark must have felt pretty good, too. This season, uh, the Pats, a lot of expectations that you guys are going to be a playoff team or at least uh, pushing harder for that uh, spot. Uh, inside the room, you got to feel pretty confident when you look around. you got some nice additions this year as well, and everybody's a year older and a little bit more experienced. Uh, feeling pretty good about your club? Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, you know, good to see everyone coming back and, you know, seeing the improvement in the off season of a lot of guys. Um, I mean, we feel confident about our team and, uh, we were, we were pumped to get started last weekend and we can't wait to kind of continue, continue going here over the next, you know, eight, eight months or whatever. The sheet I'm looking at lists you at 5'10, 185 pounds, but I don't know how up to date that is. What are you at right now? Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, about what I am. We just kind of did that when we got in here and, um, you know, I think mean, I barely made five ten, so I was happy about that. But uh, yeah, that's what I am. Okay, is that? Uh, do you think you've topped out uh, height wise, or do you think there's still a little bit more growth in there? I am. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, hopefully maybe an inch, inch or two, but you know, I'm not really concerned about that. All right, uh, BC kid growing up. Does that mean you were a Canucks fan, or uh, were you cheering for somebody else behind enemy lines? No, I'm, you know, always a, always a big Canucks fan, still am, so, uh, was, you know, I mean, when I was pretty young, they were going on that run and stuff, so it was pretty exciting, uh, growing up here for that. Well, Connor, listen, you guys are rolling through Edmonton here on Thursday. It'll be great to watch you again in person. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Best of luck this season uh, with the Regina Pats and probably Team Canada. Well, for sure, Team Canada again at Christmas time. Uh, really appreciate it, uh, getting a chance to catch up, and hopefully we can do it again down the road. Yep, sounds good. Thank you. The projected number one overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft, that was Connor Bedard of the Regina Pats. Now, had that conversation with him on Tuesday. Uh, Patrons will have heard that already. But if you're uh, listening to this segment as a part of the, uh, the full episode of the Pipeline Show, then you're probably getting it on Friday or on the weekend And the game between the Oil Kings and the Pats was on Thursday. So whatever happens in that game, at the time I'm recording this, I don't know what that is. So did he have another hat trick? Did the Oil Kings shut him out and keep him off the scoreboard? I don't know. But the bigger story there is fans were able to go to Rogers Place and pay $20 to $35 to watch him play. And it's going to be one of the last times where you can do that. Regina Pats come to town, make sure you're going to watch. Support junior and college hockey because this is a guy, you know, last month or in August at the World Junior Championship, cost you 100 bucks to go watch Team Canada play. Next year he's in the NHL, it's going to be 250 bucks or more. So get out and watch some junior and college hockey because it's uh, well worth your money and you get to see the future of the NHL right now. What a player. So talented. I mean, there's clips of him all over the place on social media scoring goals. I know the one, the big one against the Calgary Hitman last year is uh, recirculating again. What a goal that was. And he does that on a uh, fairly regular basis. He scores a ton, 51 goals last year as a 16-year-old in the WHL. 
What's he got in store this year as a 17-year-old? Final year in the WHL. You know there's no chance he's coming back next season. And the big question mark remains. What do the Pats do with him if they're not in a playoff position come Christmas time or you know right before the trade deadline? I've been asked that a hundred times, and I, I know it's, it's probably a uh, topic that he's tired of asking or being asked about, uh, which is why I didn't really ask him directly uh, about that because it's not something he has much control over. I'm sure he could ask for a trade if you know if the Pats are in eleventh place or something like that in early December, but uh, he's uh, he's focused on getting his team to the playoffs, and I respect that. All right, next up. All five general managers and or coaches from the U.S. division in the Western Hockey League, they will join me over the next five consecutive segments as we uh, complete the WHL team-by-team previews. And first up, it will be Bill LaForge of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Is a division title enough anymore for the T-Birds? They were in the final last year, and in my mind, they look positioned to be even better this year. Let's get to know the T-Birds next. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasar. Bring it to the slot, to the legs, Barzell. Watson, back hill side, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Talent development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Zegras. They score on the lacrosse move. Makar. Makar. He scores. Gensel. The goalie scores. Jake Gensel. All were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at college hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming as we uh, get set to go through the U.S. division in our team-by-team previews. I know the season just got underway, but uh, after uh, needing to take a week off to go to a funeral back in New Brunswick, uh, everything got pushed back a week. So getting to the U.S. division after opening weekend, uh, and we're going to start in Seattle. But a reminder of the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Our first stop on the tour through the U.S. Division is in uh, Seattle with the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds, the defending uh, finalists out of the Western Conference. And uh, pleased to be joined once again by Bill LaForge, the general manager of the T-Birds. Bill, thanks for doing this. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you again. I know... Well, for you, I was going to say, it looks really busy this time of year, but you only played one game on opening weekend. You only got one game this coming weekend. Only two games in the first two weeks of the season. That's uh, You get a, a nice, comfortable start. Is that by design because you knew you were going to have uh, players away at NHL camps and things like that, or is that just the way it worked out? I, I think it's a bit of both. It was you know, the way it was looking as we were building the schedule, and um, we kind of foreshadowed the fact that we were going to have uh, a number of guys off at pro camp. So it made sense for us. And um, yeah, so it's a little bit of both. It's been, uh, it's been good so far. We, 
have a big game Saturday, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, it's a smart uh, scheduling on your part, uh, for sure, if, if you're, in fact, the, the person who does that. But uh, you played to Vancouver, got the uh, shootout victory. You play Vancouver again. It's the longest home-and-home uh, -home, uh, series I could think of, though it's separated by a week. Uh, but uh, you get to go against the Giants again this weekend. Uh, what did you learn in game one and, and maybe through training camp so far about your team? Yeah, I really liked our, our game in Vancouver. Um, you know, I was joking that we dressed the team with an average age of 17.3. Uh, so it was essentially a 18U team out there. But um, you know what? Sachin, uh, Grayson Sachin was really good. Um, you know, scored the shootout winner for us. And I thought all of our young guys uh, handled themselves extremely well. And, you know, and obviously uh, Scott Ratzlaff and that was very good. So we gave ourselves a chance to win and uh, pulled it out when we needed to. So, it was it was really good from an evaluation standpoint, and it'll help us uh, going forward as we get more guys back. All right, we're going to look closer at your uh, roster for this year's team, but maybe let's uh, mention the players who aren't back from uh, last year's playoff roster and some pretty big contributors there. Henrik Robinski and Lucas Fekoski age out uh, from the WHL as 01s, as does uh, Ryan Gottfried. Who else isn't back from uh, last year's team? Because there's some notable names there too. Yeah, I mean, right now uh, Ty Bauer is in – Camp with Winnipeg, Matthew Rempe's with the Rangers, and Samuel Nazco's in Columbus, and uh, and we moved Connor Roulette in the offseason. So those would be the guys uh, that aren't back with us this year that were, were with us last year. Are uh, any of those players, obviously not Roulette because you traded them, but uh, with Rempe and, uh, and Tyrell Bauer, they're all signed, right? So you're probably not expecting them back? Yeah, at this point, I'm not expecting any of the, the three back with Nazco, Rempe, or Bauer. Right. Um, you know, if someone wants to be really nice and send one back, I'd happily take it. <laughs> well, you've got the room for it right now as well. You've only got two overagers, uh, I believe, on the roster. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, that's correct. And you know what? Uh, when I say uh, I'd like to have them back, I mean, our job is to push guys to the next level. And um, we're really happy that they all, you know, signed their entry-level deals last year. And we wish them all the best in, in pro hockey. So, you know, as much as they selfishly you'd want them back, sure. I, I really want them to achieve the success that uh, we think they will at the next level. Of course, I think everybody understands that. All right, well, let's go to your uh, goaltending position. And not a, not a lot of holes on your roster. You were a good team last year. And uh, even though you were young, you're a really good team again this year. And uh, uh, your goaltending position, uh, really solid. Thomas Millich and Scott Ratzliff, and I know you have Ronan Garrity in the mix as well. Uh, is Millich back with you now? Yes, Thomas got back this week. So we'll have uh, both of our regular goalies uh, at our disposal here and um, yeah, it's obviously a strength of our group. We we like both guys. We think they're you know they're both great goalies in our league, and we can put either one in any night and be very comfortable. Uh, how do you uh, balance the you know both guys want to start? You got to have a healthy competition between goaltenders. They got to get along, but not everybody. I mean, only one of them can start each night. How do you balance that as a, a general manager? And and I know maybe it's the head coach's job more, but uh, that's something that you, you have to be uh, conscious of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Scott's draft year as well, and, and Thomas is draft eligible as well. So uh, we have to give them both opportunities. We, you know, we always tell our kids, we're not planning on playing 68 games, we're planning on playing 100. So there's going to be lots of lots of game time for both of them. And like I said, we have confidence that they can go at any time. So it's not, uh, you know, we're not trying to find soft spots for either one of them. They, they're both ready to go, and we'll have two rested goalies come to the playoffs, hopefully. Uh, they're two different. Uh, well, how different are they as goaltenders? More similarities and differences, maybe. And uh, uh, but uh, how would you describe them as goaltenders? Yeah, they're they're 
somewhat similar in stature. I think uh, Thomas plays um, uh, maybe a more, I'm trying to think, like limited limited motion kind of game, and he can make the big save when he needs to, but he, he relies on this technique a lot, and, mm. and Scott's a very athletic goalie who also has good technique. So when I say they're different, but they're also very similar, it's, uh, you know, they, you know, our goaltending coach has, has been tremendous with them, and they've uh, they've done a good job progressing through the years. So they're they're both athletic and but also really you know technically sound. So uh, I think that there there is a lot of similarities similarities there, especially in size. I think Ratsy's a little bit bigger than Thomas, but uh, they're both kind of around that same size. Does it matter which team you, who your opposition is, depending on which goaltender you you uh, will start that night? Like I don't know if a goaltender's playing style is better suited to one team uh, opposition wise. Uh, or not, or if it, is it maybe a uh, historical record? You know, if one's really struggled against a certain team, you'd play the other guy. Does do things like that factor in? I, I think with us, it's mostly just you know rest and, and load management that right. that'll affect what goalie starts. Because I mean, I, I don't know what Scott's record was last year. I think it was like seventeen and three or something along mm-hmm. those lines. And uh, Thomas was good against everybody. So I think that you know last year we might have um, you know give given Scott a, a couple of the games against some of the lesser teams last year, but I think this year we're not we're not looking at it like that at all. We're we're gonna make sure they both get lots of uh lots of game times against all all competition. All right, let's move to your blue line uh, Jeremy Hansel, I believe was at Edmonton Euler camp. Uh, Kevin Korczynski drafted first rounder by the Chicago Blackhawks and I believe he is still with the Blackhawks. Correct me on that if uh, if I'm wrong. Nope, still there. You're, those are your two marquee names, but you got a lot of talent on the back end. It's still quite young uh, to some degree, but uh, you got to be pretty confident going into the season with this blue line even though there's a lot of changes from last year. Yeah, we're we were very excited. I mean, there we had a number of our guys last year uh, with the long playoff run that were around for quite a bit of a season, um, you know, after their seasons were over. So we, we were conf- confident going into this year that our, our back end was, um, you know, maybe not as uh, old and deep as it was last year, but, you know, with Korczynski and Hansel and uh, Sawyer Minio, who we think is, you know, just starting to reach his uh, potential and is going to be a pretty high draft pick this year, um, you know, having him back there. And then our, our two 16-year-olds, Hi Davidson and uh, uh, Bryce Pickford. We think are both extremely special players that are going to make some noise this year. And you know, I haven't even mentioned we still have Sakumis and, and Middlestad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kai Knack, our import defenseman, is very good. And probably the surprise of our camp has been Kovacs, who we picked up in, from Lethbridge. Well, that's interesting moving forward. And as we mentioned, you still have room for a, to, uh, another. 2002 born player if you so desire to to bring another one in and i I wonder would the blue line probably be where that would uh would occur i your other two 20 year olds are both up front would you like to if that happens uh maybe put it on the back end yeah i think we're you know we're in a good spot that i don't think we're in in dire need of of any one position right now so we can look at all you know, all 20-year-olds when they become available and, and uh, make the best decision for us. But, you know, having some experience on the back end, uh, we found out last year, is is very valuable as the playoffs wind, you know, carry on. All right, up front, uh, you made that big move right at the end of uh, August, uh, trading uh, a Connor Roulette to the Saskatoon Blades and getting Kyle Krenkovic. He was a top-five uh, producer in the WHL last season. He's off to a pretty good start uh, for you as well. Why make that move? Why was that a critical one for you? You know, we, we just thought that he fit our our style and identity. He's a 
extremely fast player. He's got great hands, um, really good on the penalty kill, good in the power play. We just felt that we had an opening there as a 20, for a 20-year-old. And, um, you know, if you're going to go get one, why not get one of the best ones? So it, it, was a, it was a move that made sense for us at the time. You know, losing a player like Connor was never easy. Um, I'm a big Connor Roulette fan and, you know, always will be. But uh, we just thought this one made us a little bit better for this season, which was, you know, important to us going forward. Your other overage guys, Jared Davidson, had a heck of a season last year uh, as well. Uh, he was drafted by Montreal. Is he back? Yeah, he just came back. I just saw him this morning. So, uh, yeah, he was in Montreal, um, had a good camp from all all accounts. And, um, you know, they they see our team as a, a good place for him to continue to develop. And we're super excited to have him back. He's a, he's a big part of our group, both on and off the ice. He, his leadership skills are uh, second to none. And, and he's a, you know, one of the heartbeats of the group. So, um, we're really happy to have Jared back. I know you got Lucas Siona back here recently and Reed Schaefer back from Oiler camp as well. And I guess I'm in Edmonton. Uh, maybe we should just touch on Reed and, and uh, what Oiler fans can expect from him and, and uh, what you expect to see from him this year uh, back with the T-Birds. Yeah, I think Rito is just going to keep keep developing. I mean, I saw him on the ice this morning, um, you know, and he looks, he looks even bigger and stronger than he did last year. So I think with him, it's just... Uh, continue to do what he's doing, develop, develop the way he has. And, um, you know, he was a big part of our group last year in, in all areas of the game. And we think that, uh, you know, as a 19-year-old this year for us, he's going to continue that. And he's probably going to get a little bit more attention than he did last year. So he's going to uh, have to rise to the occasion and, and be one of the leaders of our group. And, you know, we feel strongly that, uh, you know, that Edmonton made a great pick and he's going to be a good player in Edmonton for a long time. But we're happy to have him for one more year. Bill LaForge is the general manager of the Seattle Thunderbirds, my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we go through the U.S. division uh, ahead of this coming, well, I guess not ahead of the coming season, but now that the season has just begun. One other player certainly to touch on up front, you acquired the rights to Brad Lambert from Saskatoon in the offseason. He's uh, still away at uh, Winnipeg Jets camp as far as I know, unless something uh, has just developed here recently. Do you know what the situation there is yet, or are you still waiting to hear from Winnipeg on that? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to Winnipeg a, a couple times, and we are, you know, doing what's best for Brad. You know, we're at arm's length from him right now. We're not, uh, you know, he's not, has not been assigned to us, and, you know, Winnipeg's going to go through their process, and he's going to try and make the Winnipeg Jets, and, um, you know, we wish him all the best, but if at any point in time Winnipeg decides that, you know, we're the best place to develop him, then they'll send him here, and we'll, we'll be happy and have a, a very exciting player on our hands. Uh, they have the option of putting him in the American Hockey League because he was drafted out of Europe if they sign him. But uh, yeah, it seems like you're a contending team in the WHL, and it uh, seems like that would be the right spot for me, uh, from my perspective. Anyway, that's just me. If I get a vote, I'd say the same thing. There you go. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, talking to some of your players last year as the finals were coming around, and I think it was Kevin Korczynski who was on the show right before the final started. And I asked him, you know, who are some of the players who maybe further down the depth chart right now, but. Uh, don't get the attention that they deserve just because of how deep your club was. Uh, and he mentioned uh, Nico Majadovic and, and Sam Aramba, both of them. Uh, and uh, again, these are you know younger players, but big contributors on your team already. Yeah, they're they're both really exciting young players. I mean, we feel you know if you look at our group this year, we could still have you know seven or eight guys drafted off our team this year. And uh, you know that's a credit to to our scouting staff of you know uh, always keeping the closets full and. Um, you know, Nico played in the first game on the big line with, with uh, Krinkovic and, and Sachin. I think he had two or three points, was very good. Um, and Sam was good as well. So, 
yeah, those are two guys. I mean, you got a guy like um, Sam Popovich who, you know, doesn't get a lot of credit for everything he does in our group, but he is, you know, a glue guy and, uh, you know, works hard and, and plays the game the right way. So we, we have lots of guys that are um, up and coming and maybe haven't uh, had their coming out party yet, but we, we think they're about to this season. Uh, and can you touch on Grayson Sachin? Had the great start to the season, a couple of goals in that game, uh, including, I believe, the shootout winner uh, in that game against Vancouver. But this is a guy who Red Deer took first overall in the uh, in the U.S. draft, uh, and uh, you were able to get his rights, and I know you drafted his brother too, didn't you? So fans should get the, used to the name Sachin uh, in Seattle. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, you know what? Uh, Grayson's been tremendous since he got here. I, I was so excited the first day at training camp watching him. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then, you know, I think he played two exhibition games, had six points, and uh, came out with uh, two or three points in the first game as well. So he's uh, he's an exciting, exciting offensive player. But the thing I like about him is he's relentless on the on the back check, on the four check. He he strips pucks. He he does all the little things right, but then has that offensive flair to do something special and you know take you out of your seat at any time. So it was a, a big recruit for us and. You know, we're really happy that he chose us to, to continue his development. And, you know, we think he's got a bright future going forward. Bill, your team, I really enjoyed the final last year uh, watching your club, a really exciting team. And in my opinion, you're the contender. You're contenders to do it again. And uh, I said before uh, uh, our conversation started that Seattle's my pick uh, to get to the uh, Memorial Cup as WHL champions this year. I assume that's the goal for you. I just wondered, you know, you get to the final, should fans expect it? to get to the final and and uh, be contenders again? Or is that putting too much expectation on a team that was just there last year? It's hard to repeat. It's definitely hard to repeat, and it's something that uh, has been the goal for us from day one and, and you know, will be the goal all season. I, I think that we're going to give ourselves a chance every single night just by, you know, how well we're coached and how hard we work. And I think that we have enough, enough skill this year that, uh, you know, we should be able to, to scare a lot of teams. And I, I think we're not uh, – we're not the hunter anymore. We're more of the hunted now, which is mm-hmm. which is fine for us. We we accept that, and um, yeah, we're we're excited about our group, and we think we're going to give ourselves a great chance. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward. Well, I guess you, the T Birds unfortunately don't come to Alberta this year unless uh, something really unexpected happens, and Edmonton and Seattle meet in the final again, which pretty sure that won't be the case this year. But uh, I really appreciate your time, uh, and uh, wish you the best of luck this season. Anytime. Thank you very much. That's Bill LaForge, general manager of the Seattle Thunderbirds. And uh, yes, they are my pick to uh, win not just the uh, U.S. division, but I do have them as the WHL champion that will join the Kamloops Blazers at the Memorial Cup in Kamloops. That's my pick. Uh, You let me know who you have uh, coming out of the WHL this year, or even if it's just the U.S. division. Let me know on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. Next up, it's the Tri-City Americans who split their opening weekend series. 5-1 losers, 8-3 victors. We'll talk to the general manager. That's Bob Torrey. He joins me next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Tigers can't clear. Balamaki again. He'll go cross ice. Sandu, spin shot, save, rebound, score! Balamaki makes it a 5-3 game. Hey, it's Yusuf Balamaki from the Tri-State Americans, and you're listening to Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. 
The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming as we continue our look at the U.S. division of the Western Hockey League this year. A reminder that The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it anywhere in Western Canada. Sorry, U.S. division. Uh, go to Wilhock Beef Jerky. Dot com. My guest uh, to look at the Tri-City Americans is the general manager. That, of course, is Bob Torrey. Bob, welcome back to the program. How are you? Thanks, Guy. Very good. Always a pleasure. Oh, I appreciate you making the time like this. Uh, are you Are you still driving back from Prince George? Yeah, no, I was in Calgary at uh, league meeting, so yeah. I was able to miss the Prince George trip, so that was uh, worked out conveniently. I wanted to ask you about starting with the team starting on the road. I know you weren't there, but uh, starting up in Prince George, and it's just a, a two-game stint, and then you're you're back down into uh, the U.S. division where you'll play Everett this weekend and, and uh, host Portland. Well, actually, on the road in Portland. To get that trip up to Northern BC out of the way early in the season, is that by design? Is that sort of a team bonding uh, trip like that? Yeah, it was an opportunity. I mean, I think it, it doesn't hurt your team bonding, but... Certainly, uh, the bus company's quite happy with it because of the time of year, the roads and the are much better, the weather's much better. Uh, mm-hmm. From a team standpoint, the earlier you can get it done to, you've beat flu season, your team's not banged up. Uh, it's a difficult trip for the U.S. division teams because for us, it's a 14-hour drive and it's, you know, it's just, you get off the bus, you just feel like, spaghetti legs right yeah, so yeah. It's, it's it's a difficult trip at the best of time to get it out of the way and be done with it um it's actually kind of nice but uh you know fortunately we came out of it with a split because you know prince george has a good hockey club this year we very easily could have been 0-2 up there or, or sometimes you get on a roll you win two but it's very seldom when you play back to back it's usually a split well, it is a split. Very different outcomes, though. You lose 5-1, and then you get eight goals. You rack up eight goals in an 8-3 victory. Uh, I didn't see either game or the highlights of it. Uh, what was the difference? Because it's basically the same two teams on the ice. Yeah, the first game, we were really flat. We didn't generate anything. We didn't get to the net. We didn't get a number of shots. Prince George's both starting goalies were still at pro camp, so they had mm-hmm. a young 16-year-old in who played very well, but we didn't get much pressure on him. The second night, I think it was, uh, you know, an eye-opener for our guys that, you know, it's time to get it going, and, and we got our power play going. I think we scored three power play goals, and our puck movement was better, and we got contributions right through the lineup, and I think that made the difference and got a little bit of confidence. And then, obviously, our goaltender, uh, Thomas Sukanik, who played for Czechia at the World Junior in Edmonton, was very good both games. All right, Bob, let's uh, look at this year's roster, but first reflect on who's not back from last year's team. And uh, the, the roster that you ended the season with, I'm not sure if uh, how many 20-year-olds you still had at the end of the year, but at one point last year you had Connor Bouchard and uh, Sasha Mutala, uh, as well as Jordan Chudley and, and Mitch Brown. Uh, who else from last year's roster is not back uh, of the players that ended the season with you? So Sam Huo is not back. He's gone to UBC. 
uh, Mitchell Brown was injured, so he didn't finish the season with us, and Chudley was let go. So we basically lost Bouchard, Mutala, and Huo. And then um, in the off season, we traded uh, Carson Haynes to the Vancouver Canucks or Vancouver Giants, a 19-year-old D-man. Mm-hmm. And then Rhett Melvick and Bryson Andrick went to the Edmonton Oil Kings in the Jalen Lupin trade, which uh, I guess is finalized. And we're wishing Jalen well as he recovers from shoulder surgery. Did you know that when you acquired him that that was going to happen, or was that just an uh, unfortunate no, surprise? At the, time, at, the time, at the time we acquired him, uh, we were told he was rehabbing an injury from the Seattle series in the playoffs and that he'd be uh, going to Chicago's camp. And I talked to Kyle Davidson. He said that, you know, if we made a trade for him, that they would return him. Uh, about a week after we acquired him, Jalen told me his shoulder was still bothering him. We got him into Edmonton for a CAT scan. Um, immediately sent that to Chicago. And the next day they flew him to Chicago for rotator cuff surgery. So we hope to have him back in December and, you know, the idea was to get, start the year with them for leadership and scoring and and try to make a playoff run, but we'll have to live with uh, – it's almost like making a big trade at the trade deadline. That's right. Uh, just out of curiosity, does the injury and the surgery and the ex- expected time off, does that change the parameters of the trade with Edmonton at all? Yes, it does. I, I had a chat with Kurt Hill at our league meetings, and we've made some adjustments to the parameters and – going to try and clean that up a little bit okay so not for uh not for public discussion that's fine i understand that i think at some point i think at some point it will it's just just dotting the i's and t's right now but i think we did the best we could with a difficult situation okay fair enough uh all right let's look at this year's team as you uh, started the season with and uh, uh I, do you have any players away currently at nhl camps i know uh, mark lejoie was at la king's camp and was invited to yeah. their main camp i believe is he back with you yet Yes, he got back Sunday, so everybody's back. We got okay. our whole team back. Obviously, <clears throat> you know we've had a couple, tough couple of years here since we went to the Western Conference Final a few years back, and um, we're still a very young team. We've got some exciting young rookies coming in, and another import player coming in. Um, you know, we're probably a year or two away from where we really realistically want to be, and mm-hmm. and uh, we've still got some holes to fill in our blue line, and we're in a very tough division, but. We think we're, you know, we're a year older. We think we'll be a better team than we were last year. We've made some additions to our coaching staff also, which I think will, will help, uh, with the development of some of our players by adding another associate coach and, and adding an, a third assistant. So, you know, there's some positive things going on, but we have to keep our nose to the grindstone, keep working, keep getting better because we're, we're up against two pretty good teams in Seattle, Seattle and Portland and then, Everett has still got a core of very good players, and Spokane's much like ourselves. All right, well, maybe let's start on the bench. You mentioned uh, some changes there. Other than Stu Barnes as the head coach, uh, who else will be uh, riding the, not riding the pine, but uh, standing on top of it uh, behind the bench of the Americans? Yeah. Well, we had a Jody Hall who comes to us from the OHL. He was uh, associate coach in Niagara last year. He had been a head coach with Peterborough for over five years. So mm-hmm. it's like having two head coaches. Jody had a really good pro career. Uh, 10 years in the NHL. He was a first-round pick and has spent his whole career in the OHL. And He did play one season with Stu in Florida, ironically, but uh, when we were looking at making some changes, his name came up and through the interview process impressed us. And obviously, Stu knew him a little bit from playing with him. And uh, It's like having two head coaches. Dad Jody was tremendous. And then we brought on TJ Miller, who was with us about seven years ago as an intern. Uh when he was a young guy, and then he went to the SJHL for a couple of years and has 
an assistant and then worked in Bonneville with Rick Swan as an assistant. Mm-hmm. And then last year was able to get a, on a, as an intern with the Toronto Maple Leafs in one of their development programs and had, was able to spend time with their East Coast League team, their American League team and with the big team. And we knew TJ from when he, his time he spent with us and he was highly recommended to us by Jason Spezza and, uh, it just seemed like a natural fit, a younger guy and, and come in with a lot of energy and, expand our coaching staff it's just more communication for the players and more you know touches uh, as far as development and lots of experience and that when you got a young team like you do that's uh, a huge bonus for sure all right let's look at the uh, goaltenders uh you you call them thomas sukanic uh, i know at the world juniors that we're <laughs> everybody was told to pronounce it as suhanic uh either way you got a pretty good goaltender from Czechia back for a second season. Uh, what did he learn as a rookie that he can take forward and uh, really become a better goaltender this year? Well, I think a little bit was consistency, the number of games we play. He's very athletic. Uh, he's a big-time leader in our room, very well-liked. I think just learning the you know, the day-to-day battles of being a starting goalie and playing a number of games and, and getting another year of experience under his belt uh, – <laughs> the first year, obviously, there's a transition to the ice size and everything, but mm-hmm. um, had the Fed World Junior had a very good camp with Buffalo. Comes back, like I said, as one of our leaders on our team, and that that's the strength of our team. I think is is the goaltending, and you know it gives us a chance every night to be competitive. That can't be easy for. He's an import. Last year he was a rookie. I don't know what, how strong his English is, but to be you describe him as a leader. That can't happen all the time with an import player like that, especially a rookie. No, it usually doesn't. But Thomas has such an outgoing personality; it didn't take long for him to win guys over. And mm. and as his English got better, he just you know he's very competitive, uh, wants to do well. You know, obviously he wants to be a pro hockey player, and uh, just uh, matured within our room and, and fit in perfectly. And uh, it's uh, he's a pleasure to have around the rink because he's always got a smile on his face and he works extremely hard. Who's the the other goaltender you have with the club? So the backup goalie is Nick Avakian. He was a rookie last year. Came to us from the Anaheim Junior Ducks. Uh, big jump for him from U16 to WHL, and I think it was a good learning experience for him. Again, did had a good off season, getting in probably better shape and understanding what our league's about, having been through it and a. You know, obviously he's a better goalie now than he was at this time last year and provides us good depth and off to carry the ball when Thomas is at the World Juniors in Halifax. All right, let's move to your defensive group. And uh, we know the name here, Mark Lajoie, because he's from our neck of the woods. His, uh, his dad has coached into the WHL and at the university level and uh, now coaching with the Oil Kings. So we know who Mark Lajoie is. The rest of the league or fans outside of uh, your market there might not be a lot of household names on your blue line. How do you describe this group as a whole? Yeah, it's, you know, that's an area that we need, obviously need to improve. Uh, I did move two 19 year olds because we would have had five 19 year olds back, but obviously we're led by Mark Lajoie, who's our captain, and Lucas Dragasivic, who'll be up for the NHL draft this year. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we got a couple of veterans in Alex Seraglio and Chase Freed Moore, who spent a little bit of time with the Oil Kings and then filtered in a, some rookies in behind there. Well, Ben Feenan returns, but we have Carter Savage and, uh, Merrick Arpin uh, as as rookies on the back end, so we're a little inexperienced and on the back end, but hopefully, you know, we'll get Mark back this weekend. That'll help settle things down a little bit. All right, can you uh, go back to Lucas Dragasevic for a second? Uh, he was a fourth overall pick for you back in 2020. You mentioned it's his NHL draft year. 
listed at 6'2 and 180 pounds. Uh, for those, I mean, we haven't been able to see the U.S. division here uh, for, geez, what was it, 2019 and maybe even the year before that. Uh, and we won't get to see you guys here again. So for the benefit of uh, people like us who don't get to watch your team play all the time, uh, what kind of a player is he? Yeah, very good skater, offensive-minded uh, defenseman, likes to rush, join the rush. Uh, very good passer, high hockey IQ, you know, uh, smooth, smooth skater. His dad, Milan, played in the league and mm-hmm. is a coach at Delta Academy and, and, uh, you know, very good family background and just, uh, you know, should, should be a high pick, you know, uh, played on Team Canada U18, uh, in the spring, wasn't on it the, in the fall, in the September, but, uh, should be a high pick in this year's NHL draft. His dad was a longtime coach at UBC, wasn't he? I think I knew him then. Yes, he was. Yes, yeah. he was. Absolutely. That's right. And an Edmonton native as well, played for the Maple Leaf Athletic Club. Ah, look at that. All right, it's all coming together. Just the one twenty-year-old on the back end right now, Ian Ferguson? Yeah, Ian Ferguson's the only 20-year-old on the back end at this point. And, uh, you know, whether we go with a 20-year-old D or not, I mean, right now we've got two overages up front and, and then Jalen Lupin on the injured list. Uh, all right, let's go to the uh, the forward position in the those two overagers, uh, Ethan Ernst and, and Reese Belton, and then Jalen Leipen uh, as well, who will uh, be available to you. What was what's the timeline? Are we thinking Christmas trade deadline area kind of around there? Yeah, hopefully. Well, Jalen's the type of kid he is. I had dinner with him the other day in Polona, and he says he'll be ready by the early December, <laughs> but it'll probably be more mid December, and then we just got to decide is it worth is it worth starting with you know, five, six games left, or is it better to come back after the Christmas break? Well, with him on the shelf, that means you can carry the other three 20-year-olds, though, right, until that time? Until Absolutely. Right. Until he comes back, yeah. All right, so you got some flexibility there. Uh, all right, uh, who leads your club up front from a, uh, maybe from a, a locker room position, but uh, offensively as well? Well, Parker Bell would be our leading scorer coming back, Calgary Flame draft pick, and then, you know, obviously Ethan Ernst is a 20-year-old that we acquired from Kelowna last year, and and young Jake Sloan, uh, he's 18 now, uh, will be our number one center. Um, you know, that'll be the key to our offense. Obviously, uh, you know, we got Reese Belton, who we picked up from Kamloops, who's a, a solid 20 year old player. And obviously, Jordan Gavin is going to provide some offense just on his hockey sparks, even though he's only 15 mm. on our power play. Second overall pick in 2021 for, for Jordan Gavin. You got a, a couple other youngsters still with you, uh, correct? Uh, with uh, Nick Anisimovich, is that? Did I butcher that really badly? Yeah, you got no, you got that right. Wow. And Nick came into camp, had a good camp. He's still with us. Six-year-old out of Calgary, and Cameron Cardona from Anaheim, another six-year-old forward who right now is hurt, uh, got hurt in Prince George, so hopefully he's not out too long. And and you know, then we've got some quite a few forwards returning. Uh, Dwayne Jean from Edmonton, Dwayne Jean Jr. who's a uh, tremendous skater, and uh, in his case, same thing, trying to develop some consistency at this level from game to game. Is that a player? I mean, I was going to ask you, are there guys who are, you know, third, fourth liners, or maybe not every day players for you last year who are ready to take a step up the depth chart this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think Dwayne is, and I think uh, Elon Lemonier from Dallas mm-hmm. is as well. Both those guys should be able to step in and, and contribute more. Deegan McMillan, who was a second-round Bantam pick, same thing. He's 17 now. Uh, we expect, you know, bigger things from those three guys. They, we need them to step up and play larger roles for us this year. All right, you have another import player, another player from Czechia uh, as a forward as, as well, correct? That's correct. Adam Matura, 
He was on the Czechia World Junior Team in Edmonton as well. Went to the Phoenix or Arizona Coyotes training camp, so he just got back. Scored in his first game. He's a big guy, 6'5". Very good puck skills, good shot. Uh, obviously, would be in that tall at that age. Needs to add some muscle and strength to his body. But uh, is a smart player. Put up some very good numbers in the Czech Junior League last year, and and uh, has World Junior experience. Will pr- probably be on the World Junior team again at Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're hoping that he can contribute offensively and you know score some goals for us this year. Uh, not only five on five, but also on the power play. Well, Bob, you you talked about uh, the the cycle that junior hockey is and where you're at compared to where you'd want to be and that you're probably a couple of years away from uh, being a, a contending team again. What would you consider to be a successful season this year? Yeah, I mean, you finished 10th in the 10-team Western Conference last season. Is it about getting to the playoffs or is that unrealistic? Yeah, the first, the first, no, the first step is to get to the playoffs. I, I'd be disappointing if we didn't, uh, but, you know, there's still – a battle to do it because there's a lot of good teams and a lot of teams trying to do the same thing. But that that's the first step is to try to get in the playoffs. And then, as we saw last year with Vancouver upsetting Everett in the first round, mm-hmm. uh, anything can happen. And a few years ago, I think we had the eighth seed. We knocked off Kelowna four straight in the first round and then knocked off Victoria in round two four straight before we met Everett in the conference final and probably should have won that series and been playing Swift Current in the league final. But so anything can happen when you get in the playoffs if your team's healthy and you get a few breaks and you get hungry at the right time. Uh, we've seen things happen. So the first step, obviously, is to get in the playoffs. All right. Well, it should be a, a fun year to watch uh, for the Tri-City Americans and uh, another development year uh, maybe, but uh, it'll be great when uh, Jalen Leipen is uh, eventually available for you to play this year. Bob, I really appreciate your time. Uh, wish you the best of luck. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. Bob Torrey is the general manager of the Tri-City Americans, and as he describes it, it's going to be another uh, learning year and development year for the Americans. He uh, already made it pretty clear when I asked him about the, the blue line that uh, yeah, it's it needs some work and needs some attention. Uh, the fact Jalen Lipen they acquired, he's probably going to be their go-to offensive guy this season. Not going to be available to them until at least around Christmas time. You almost have to wonder at that point, does he even play for the Americans? Does he get back and play two weeks, and then is he trade bait uh, to a team that uh, that might be contending? And I think the Americans could get a lot for him at the trade deadline, assuming uh, he is good to go. And maybe that's you know he comes back and proves that he's in game shape and things like that. Quite honestly, I was a little surprised that the Oil Kings didn't hold on to him until the trade deadline or a lot closer to the trade deadline. But that's not the the way it played out, and we'll see what happens here with the Tri City Americans this season. Next up, via the Troubled Monk hotline, we will check in with the general manager of the Everett Silvertips. He's also the head coach. His name is Dennis Williams, and he joins me next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Left wing, the drop pass. Kendry into the offensive zone, top into the net in front for Madsen. What a save by Dustin Wolf. He stretched out with the glove, makes a save, and covers. Oh my! 837 to go in the second. Hey, it's Dustin Wolf with the Ever Sober Tips, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Oscar's 
Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with... If one of y'all says some silly-ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Gee Flaming. Son of a bitch! We are back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Go to W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada, which means my next guest is out of luck as we continue our tour through the U.S. division. And our next stop is with the uh, the mighty Everett Silvertips, and that means a general manager and head coach, Dennis Williams, back on the Pipeline Show. Dennis, welcome back. How are you? Yeah, thanks very much, Key. I'm, I'm doing well. Well, I appreciate you making the time. Uh, season just underway. You get a 4-1 victory uh, in your uh, home opener, in your season opener, and you've got uh, a six-game homestand to start the season. Got to like the way that uh, schedule set up for you. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that, I was kind of uh, shocked and surprised. Obviously, this time of year, it's always difficult uh, with uh, college football on down here in the U.S. And, and the NFL starting and baseball wrapping up. But it's the way the schedule works. And, you know, our, our home opener, we had a great crowd. Credit to Zorn Ratchik and his staff up there. We had 5,000 plus. So it was a nice uh, first first game for our guys. Well, we're in Edmonton, and uh, we know what that's like sharing a market with a with pro franchises. That's for sure. What time of year do you notice a change uh, in in your favor? Well, I think as the year goes on, and, and it was one of those two in our home opener, we had it was probably eight, uh, about 80 degrees Fahrenheit and sunny. <laughs> so, you know, we always hope for rain. We normally get it down here, so it brings people inside. But, you know, normally after uh, Thanksgiving here in the U.S., uh, I think it starts to change a little bit. But you're always still battling the Seahawks and and NFL Sunday and, and college football, as you know, is, is, is such a, a demanding sport and a lot of people follow that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, with, without a doubt, our, we, we have an unbelievable uh, group of loyal fans that are here every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, whenever we play. And uh, as long as they're in the buildings, it, it's nice and loud and it, it's fun to uh, play in, in, in front of that type of crowd. Well, and you've got the, uh, a terrific team on the ice for the crowd to get behind. That's for sure. Uh, before we look at this year's team, Maybe let's mention who's not back from last year's squad, and every team loses the overage guys. Uh, for your club, uh, in the playoffs, you had Hunter Campbell and Alex Svetlikov, who was your leading scorer, and uh, Johnny Lambos. Those three players age out, so they're not back. Uh, and I believe uh, Ronan Seely and uh, Nico Hootenen uh, signed and drafted players, probably not expected to be back either, correct? No, that's that's right. Uh, you know, obviously... Uh, we'd love to have all those players back, even the eight scout guys. They were such uh, great uh, attributes to our program. And, um, you know, for us uh, losing players like um, uh, Ronan Seeley, who, who this you know past year had an opportunity to represent Canada at the World Juniors and win a gold medal. And, and to see him come through his four years with us and, and move on, that's really what it's all all, all, all about. You know, as we're in, in the business to develop hockey players to get to the next level and he has the opportunity as he signed with Carolina to uh, go to the American League there and and Nico Hootenen who uh, I just got a text from his dad today uh, he's doing real, uh, quite well uh, back in Finland and, and obviously we'd love to have had Nico back for another year but 
you know, when these opportunities arise for these players, you know, they look out for what they feel is their best interest and an opportunity to play pro hockey for Nico back home is something he wanted to do. And, you know, we couldn't be happier for him. Uh, also not back. Is Michael Good not back? Because you've got two new imports this year. Yeah, that's correct. Michael uh, was under contract back home in uh, the Czech for this year. So okay. uh, losing losing him and, and Nico uh, at the same time, obviously that was a lot of our offense and Alex Wetlicott led our team in points. And obviously we know the type of player Ronan Seeley is in the back end. So we lost a lot of our offense uh, from last season with those four guys uh, having the opportunity to move on and, and play at different levels. And you know, with Alex Svetlikov signing a two-year deal in, in Las Vegas in the American League with Henderson, you know, is great. And, and uh, you know, we talked about Hunter Campbell being a local player who's, who's uh, I believe, going to go on uh, here at Christmas time and use a schooling package that he's earned the right to nice. uh, here in this in the CHL. And, and Johnny Lambos, who's uh, gone to the University of British Columbia to pursue his degree and play um, CIS, or U-Sports, sorry, back home. So, um, like we always say, it's uh, it's all about players getting to go on to the next level. Some have the opportunity to go to the NHL, some American League, some youth sport. But no matter what, at the end of the day, you know we really want our players to utilize their education package. And, and this past year, a um, couple of guys will be able to do that while one gets to go play pro. Well, those are all success stories. Well said, Coach. Uh, uh, one other change you made in the offseason, a trade with the uh, with the uh, oh, where did Cohen McInnes go? We just saw him uh, recently. Yeah, he went to Re- Regina Pats. That's right, the Regina Pats. They're actually here in Edmonton yeah. on Thursday. Uh, so you made that change. Uh, anyone else from last year's roster that we haven't already mentioned who's not back with you this year? No, um, you know that that's it. And you know, obviously, we had Braden Holt coming back in that, and mm-hmm. and we have uh, influx of twenty-year-olds. Uh, which is always a good thing, but they're just going to have to make some tough decisions here in the next few days as well. And, and for Cohen to be a 20-year-old to have an opportunity to go to um, to the pass and an opportunity to play in the league, uh, I thought that was really important for him to to be able to get on and, and someone else uh, have that uh, that opportunity in the service for a 20-year-old goalie. So uh, he was a great player for us here. Uh, really good in the locker room. You know, really uh, was a great mentor to our young players, our first-year players. So, obviously, nothing but the best for him as as he moves forward. All right. Well, those are the changes from last year's team, uh, and uh, so significant uh, changes there, guys moving on. Um, so, let's look at this year's club and and what you've done to fill those holes. Uh, let's start in net. And Braden Holt is back as your number one guy, but you've got a new import there and a giant from uh, Switzerland and Tim Metzger. Uh, and uh, and I believe you still have Evan May with the club right now as well. So you've got three in camp, yeah. still, or not? I guess we're not in yeah. camp anymore, but three with the team. No, yeah, we do have three with the team. Um, Evan May's uh, been on the IR here for the last two weeks, so All right. um, you know we we're looking to you know get him back uh, you know next week and give him a, a fair look again, you know, throughout it. And and as you said, we have Braden Holt back, who's been with us now going on his fourth year. Really hoping for. For Braden to take those steps in his game and evolve into that number one role, where last year he kind of split that with with uh, Cohen, you know, throughout it, and they were able to to uh, actually, if you looked at it, they had like identical numbers through the mm-hmm. goals goals against, save percentage, wins, losses, and uh, you know they did a really good job together, the two of them as as a tandem. And but uh, now I I think we're looking for for Braden to take those steps, and then Tim Metzger, as you mentioned, we picked up uh, in the uh, import draft this past year in 05, um, six 
six five six six goalie who's you know getting adjusted obviously here in North America and in the, in the style of play. But uh, a bright future for Tim and, and Evan both, and obviously some decisions we're gonna have to make as as we uh, go through the next uh, few weeks to see who's gonna uh, come in and compete, hopefully for a number one spot with with Holt, but at least back back upgraded. How much did you know of Metzger before you selected him in the import draft? And I have to think if you're a goaltender. Uh, and the Everett Silvertips uh, have your rights, it's probably a pretty easy sell when you can say, look what we've done with the goalies that have come through Everett over the last number of years. Because whether it's Carter Hart or Dustin Wolf or any of the goaltenders that you've seen in the last decade, uh, Everett has a way of producing a, a quality netminders. Yeah, we've obviously been re- very fortunate uh, to, to have some great goalies come through here. And like you said, not only in, in the past uh, five, six years, but even prior. And, mm-hmm. and, and for us... Um, I, uh, I, I, I definitely, we watched a lot on Tim prior, you know, to, to the import draft. And one of the things we, we were looking for was a player to come in that we could also build around as we move forward. We also know with Tim, there's going to be um, some, some growing up pains, you know, in that part of it, which, uh, you know, we're going to ease him into the position and, and, and into a spot where we want to make sure he has success. And uh, but but again, the size he has, the compete, the athleticism, it's just going to take some time, you know, an adjustment. And, and that happens to all players. Uh, Nico Hooten last year came over as a 03 birth year. And I don't think he scored a goal for his first 10 games. Mm-hmm. You know, he ended up scoring 35 or 38 for us. So there's it, it's 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 always a, a difficult transition, which, again, I always try to think I could imagine, you know, I, I have two daughters, but putting my my daughter or son on a plane and you know getting picked up at the seattle airport from someone you don't really know you know going to a bill at home and mm-hmm. and just you know jumping on the ice and playing hockey so there's definitely an adjustment period for a lot of these guys but definitely a, a bright future for tim he's dennis williams he's the general manager and the head coach of the everett silver tips uh let's go to your blue line and i believe now with with uh, ronan seeley gone uh that leaves uh, just Ol- olin zellweger as uh the drafted player and Probably the marquee name on your back end. Is he back yet from Anaheim camp? No, he's not back. He uh, actually played last night. I think I saw he'll be playing tonight as well. So obviously, uh, great for him to to get down there and you know soak all that in and get as much experience as possible. Well, what an outstanding season he had for you. He was uh, excellent for Canada at the World Junior Championship as well. Is, is this a guy who can take his game still to another level? Well, I think so. If you were to ask him, he, he would tell you the same. Um, <laughs> I, I've never had an opportunity to coach such a um, rivet detail player. And that's not, you know, I'm not knocking any player we, we I've coached in the past or a coach right now. Um, you know, um, for Olin, he's at a whole different level, you know, on that part of it. And uh, I don't know if, if you ever see him satisfied, you know, throughout it. And, and uh, you know, I, I got to see firsthand at the World Juniors just his compete and drive at that level too. I thought he took it to a different level there against the best his age and a year older. And, uh, but he is, he's definitely a determined player, um, not knowing when, he, when he'll get back. And, and uh, one thing is uh, when he is back, you know, we're going to lean on him not only to drive our offense back there, but he's really taken a large uh, stride in the last two years of his play without the puck. And I think, you know, sometimes that gets lost in translation because of how good he is with the puck and how many points and how he produces. But I, I think sometimes uh, – he might get the short stick on it in, in regards to how well he he, uh, he defends and plays without the puck. So we're going to rely on him on both sides of the puck. And uh, whenever Anaheim is, thinks he's ready to come back, 
we'll be here re- ready to work with him. Well, that, who knows? Maybe he gets a, a, an extended look into uh, the regular season. We'll see. 78 points for you last year and 11 points in seven games for Canada at the World Junior Championship. Uh, Olin Zellweger from just outside Edmonton here in Fort Saskatchewan. A terrific player. Now, beyond him, who else you got on mm-hmm. your back and uh, the rest of the, the defensive group for yeah. you there? Uh, from you know outside of your market, in the greater WHL market, not a lot of ho- household names, but uh, some talent there too. Yeah, for sure. We're excited. You know, I, I really thought our, our group of, of D have done a great job through um, preseason and into our first game of playing collectively as as a group and playing hard to play against. But, you know, we have some returners that have taken big steps, um, whether that's Ty Gibson or Dexter Whittle, uh, you know, as well as, as they both have been really good in last year, kind of just finding their way in the back end a little bit for us and, and taking on more responsibility. This year, we're really going to need to... Uh, uh, lean on both those guys to not only be great players on the ice, but good veteran leadership in our locker room uh, off it. And, um, you know, as you look at some of our younger guys, whether it's Terrence Smith in 06, Cameron uh, Seitzman, the 2006 birth year that are both here right now, and Eric Jamison in 2005, who's a 6'5", uh, defenseman from the uh, Calgary area. All those guys have been playing really good hockey for us and have, have earned the right to be here. So we may be a, a, a little bit younger on the back end mm-hmm. uh, throughout it, but I definitely think there's a lot of upside to these guys. So it's going to be important to get them in the reps and, and uh, build up their confidence and, and uh, get them on the ice and, and just be able to dive into the Western Hockey League. Because as you know, it's a difficult league for a lot of young guys, especially on the back end. Um, you can probably survive a little bit easier up front you know, if, if you're a younger player, but, uh, you know, the players are bigger, stronger, faster coming at you. But the one thing I like about all these players is they high, have a high level of compete and, and attention to detail. All right, let's go uh, with your forward group. Uh, Ryan Hofer is a drafted player by the Washington Capitals. Is he back from uh, Capitals camp? Yes. Yeah, he got back on Monday. Okay, so he's yeah. back. And Ben Hemmerling also drafted. He by the Vegas Golden Knights, but uh, a couple of years younger than Ryan. So yeah, I think everybody mm-hmm. was expecting uh, uh, Ben to be back anyway. But uh, now you've got a new import uh, up front. And uh, how do you describe the rest of your group and and who's going to lead the way for you, maybe not just offensively, but in the dressing room? Yeah, well, we're fortunate enough to have our captain, Jackson Berezowski, yep. who's been here uh, year five for us. He had 46 goals for us last year before he got injured in the Portland game in this all playoffs. Um it's it's kind of uh you know his group to to uh to to lead and and bring everybody together you know we, we've relied on on jackson for some time he was a co-captain last year with ronan Steely. uh he's been in here learned from some of i think the the best guys to learn from whether that was connor dewer bryce kindop uh you can go on jake christensen why wiley a lot of great hockey players he got to learn from over his time uh so we're definitely a guy that we're going to lean on there and as you mentioned uh ryan holper he's just a driver for us uh his energy level is off the charts um he's never a guy that takes a free ride out there he pushes everybody so if you look at those two guys as um 20-year-old forwards, those are definitely um, two guys that uh, I, I feel can be uh, big-time difference makers for us this year. And as you mentioned, we picked up uh, Dominic Ryman in the import draft as an 0-4 from, from, the, from um, uh, Czechia. Uh, very skilled, kind of much like a couple of our other guys, like uh, Ben Hemmerling and Austin Roos of the 0-4 group. Uh, very um, shifty, speedy, skilled. 
but again, it's going to take a little time for him in terms of the transition to to get over and get acclimated. And and then from there, we we're we're really excited about uh, a lot of our young guys. We we you know we've kept you know, and and uh, one is being Jesse Heslop in 06 uh, that we we uh, uh, are going to keep this year. He's really taking great strides. He played a little bit for us last year due to COVID, mm-hmm. and actually he got in a game the last playoff game. Uh, against Vancouver uh, for us when we had uh, Nico Hooten and Algoot was out, Berzowski was out. Uh, we needed bodies and we brought up an 06 to play in that game. So he's had some a, a little bit of taste of it. So, you know, when we look at it, um, we're going to have to probably score by uh, committee. Last year with, with some of those guys up front, we had some uh, difference makers, but this also just gives other opportunities for guys to step up. So I'm really looking forward to seeing who's going to pop this year out of, out of this group of guys and, and, uh, you know, look forward to everybody uh, contributing, especially with, with what we lost. Well, one thing, Dominic Ryman, I'm glad that, the, you know, I always appreciate it as a broadcaster in the league, the imports the, with the easy uh, names to pronounce, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, and yeah. I, I should recall when we had this conversation last year, you described the team as maybe offense by committee then too, but you had guys that emerged as uh, your go-to offensive guys. Uh, it's probably an unfair question, but when you look at your roster right now and outside of Berezowski, who you know was going to be able to fill the net, is there somebody who was maybe a, a depth player last year who suddenly becomes much more of a, a key player for you this year, do you think? Yeah, like I, I, that's a great question. I, I think, obviously, we're going to have to rely heavily on Austin Roos and mm-hmm. Ben, ben Hammerling, both the O4s. Like, uh, both of them played probably secondary roles offensively, uh, not on the first power play unit as what we had last year with some of those older guys. So I, and again, that's no pressure to them. I just see their game developing and projecting the right way. And then, right. you know, one player we brought in at, at Christmas, um, um, Kaden uh, Zaplitney, Z- 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 he came in and he's been really good for us, uh, quietly about his game. You know, he's not a guy that at the end of the night, you know, probably people will leave and talk about, but, you know, I think he has an opportunity offensively to, to produce more, but what we really don't try to put numbers on players. What we really want to try to do is get their habits and details better. And if, and if we do those things, like the puck will fall and good things will, will come about. So uh, one thing we've never done here, D is that we've never done goal setting on anything like that for guys, you know, we just let them play and really we just want to focus on their habits and details. And, with that, hopefully, guys will start to feel more confident and, and uh, be able to handle pucks more and, and get in those right, right opportunities to score. Well, I wonder where you uh, set the bar for what you determined to be a successful season this year. You're coming off a, a year where you did finish as the number one seed going into the playoffs. You get to raise a, a banner at the rink uh, for that. Uh, but is it unfair to expect that sort of a return again this year considering the changes uh, for the team? What would you consider to be a successful year? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's always a good question because we never expect that any year we've been here, you know, and, and we go into every season. I think a lot of times as, uh, um, you know, with a lot of other teams, we're never the, the team to be talked about and we're, we're okay with that. We don't, we just want to go about our business. You know, we just want to play. I think really at the end of the day, our, our philosophy is let's make sure the players are projecting and getting better each game and each month. You know, we don't take setbacks. And, and uh, obviously we want to try to peak at the right time and be injury free and be able to go into uh, always a postseason is your goal. You know, like it's never to go out and try to win the division. You know, I think um, there's too many good teams. And, and, uh, and for us to think that way, like obviously – Whatever happens as the year goes on, it's great. But uh, there's too many good good organizations, too many good players and coaches, you know, out there. So uh, for us, it, it's uh, we take it week weekend to weekend. Uh, we always talk about you know parking it, hitting the reset button, 
growing off our game. And, uh, you know, for us, it's no different than our players' approach. So, uh, obviously, I, I like our group. I think there's a lot of work to be done with our group uh, throughout the year. But uh, it's going to be a great challenge. There's a lot of good teams. Seattle's going to be good this year. Portland's right there again. You know, you got Kamloops hope, uh, that's hosting it. Mm-hmm. Vancouver's always competitive. Prince George, it doesn't matter. Uh, Kelowna, it's every night in, in the Western Conference, especially the U.S. Division, uh, we got to be on our game or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll end up on, on the wrong side. So it, it's going to be a competitive year and, and a challenging year, but one that we look forward to. Well said. Dennis, always a treat when I can uh, get you on the Pipeline Show, and I appreciate your time again once again this season. Uh, best of luck this year. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much, Now. That was Dennis Williams of the Everett Silvertips, the GM and the head coach of uh, the Silvertips. We've got two more teams in the U.S. division to get to. That will be the Portland Winterhawks and the Spokane Chiefs. Of course, we also had the 2023 draft spotlight earlier this week. And in this uh, episode of the show, that was with Connor Bedard of the Regina Pats, the consensus and projected number one overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft. So if you missed that segment, if you're listening as a patron, and you're hearing all of these before a full episode comes out, make sure you go back to the uh, Patreon page. That's at patreon.com slash show, and you're going to hear that interview with uh, Connor Bedard. Or if you're uh, listening to this entire segment, it was in guest segment number one. So if you're just tuning in for your specific team and you want to find that segment uh, with Connor Bedard, it was uh, the first guest segment of uh, this week's episode. Next up, Mike Johnston. He's the head coach and the GM of the Portland Winterhawks. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, this is Joe Morrow from the Portland Winterhawks. Paul Binner. This is Nick Matan. It's Brad Ross, Brennan Leipzig. Hey, I'm Ben Barkey. This is Troy Kowski, former captain of the Portland Winterhawks, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, as they say in hockey, Let's do that hockey. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to continue our tour through the U.S. division and get set for this uh, this season now that we are officially underway. Of course, the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Three locations in the Edmonton area, but if you're in Western Canada, you can have it uh, shipped to you any order, any size in Western Canada. Unfortunately, uh my next guest uh, out of luck when it comes to that, uh, Mike Johnston. He's the GM and the head coach of the Portland Winterhawks. T- too far to get some beef jerky, but uh, Mike, you're off to a pretty good start this year. That was an awful segue into this conversation, but you got to be happy with a, a 2-0 start, especially when you're starting on the road. 
Well, early in the season, every lineup's a little bit different than what it's going to be when you start to hit the 10-game mark. But we were we were certainly pleased traveling up to Kamloops and Kelowna for their home openers. It's always tough when you're on the road and you're playing in another team's building for their home opener. But our guys, I thought, did a really good job. And Kamloops was certainly missing some guys mm-hmm. for the game that we won 3 nothing. But Kelowna and ourselves had a really good battle the next night, uh, 6-5 overtime win. So not just road wins, but back-to-back nights as well. So, yeah, there's lots of positives to take uh, from that. Now you get set for uh, your home opener this weekend against the Tri-City Americans. Uh, Mike Johnston is my guest. He's the GM and the head coach of the Portland Winterhawks. And uh, we'll get to your roster, but maybe we'll reflect on who's not back from last year's team that ended with you in the playoffs and uh, the three overage players that everybody loses, the old ones from last year for you. That was Jaden Duro uh, up front and Clay Hannes on the back end and uh, goaltender Taylor Goche. Uh, those are the guys we know aren't back because they're too old for the league now. Mike, who else uh, is not back from your playoff roster this year? Well, just a little bit on those three guys, which is which is interesting for all the players in the league, is that uh, both DeRoe, uh, Hannes, and Goche all signed NHL contracts as a 20-year-old. So mm. it's, it's very unique that that happens. Usually uh, players will sign before that. DeRoe was the only player that was drafted out of those three. Right. But uh, Goche and Hannes signed with Pittsburgh. Uh, DeRoe eventually signed with Tampa Bay. So it's really exciting to see, to watch and follow them as the season will begin in another couple of weeks. And most most likely, I would think that they'll be in the American League, but it's a great opportunity for them to start their pro careers. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it, we had um, seven players away at training camp. We have five of them back now. The two players that haven't come back from training camp are Cross Hannes with Detroit, Tyson Kozak with Buffalo. I don't expect either of those guys back. They've had great camps so far. They're playing NHL exhibition games right now. Mm-hmm. So we're really thrilled that those guys will have a chance also to jump into the American League. So we'll have five guys potentially starting in the American League this year. All right. And any other uh, players who were on your team last year, maybe via trade or something else that uh, are not back uh, not necessarily off the pro camps or anything like that or or starting professionally, but just aren't back with you? No, those are the changes we had. And then we have three overage players back with us. And so we had a fairly young group last year coming out of COVID. Uh, We went with the younger group. Uh, We had four old, four defensemen. We kind of built our group of defense around so that uh, we would have a team that's starting to get into that 18, 19-year-old mature range this year. All right, so that's by design. I like that uh, strategy. And you got a large returning group then, I guess, carrying over from one season to the next when you can have that many players coming back and having played together already. That's got to be a positive for your group moving forward. Oh, it certainly is. And what we try and do is, is balance out our age groups so that every team in the league will have a couple 16-year-olds. Every team in the league will have two or three 20-year-olds. And then we try and have six. 17, 18, 19-year-olds, so that gives you 18 players. Mm-hmm. And if you balance those age groups out, then you don't really have a situation where all of a sudden one year you're losing seven or eight players. Uh, you, you have the potential to get three of them back as overages, and you may lose two or three, and that's about it each season. So that's what we try and do. Uh, it doesn't always work that way. Right. But balancing your age groups, I think, is really important at our level. Well, and that speaks to uh, strong drafting, and especially for you, strong recruiting, and, and uh, even the listed players that you bring in. Uh, you've always had uh, success finding players, often guys who were headed initially to uh, play in the NCAA, and, 
you woo them to Portland and uh, they have success for you there. So you've always had success going that route. Uh, maybe let's start in net looking at this year's club. Uh, I know Dante Giannizzi is uh, back as uh, maybe your de facto starter as a, a 20-year-old now, but you've gone to Europe and, and uh, plucked an import goaltender whose name I'm probably going to butcher, so I'm going to let the coach tell me how to pronounce uh, the, the new import goalie's name. Yeah, we picked up Jan Spooner uh, from the Czech Republic, and uh, Merrick Alsher, who was one of our defensemen from the Czech Republic, also played with us last year, Florida draft pick. He had known uh, of Jan before, played on national teams with him, and we felt that we have two really good young goaltenders, Donovan Bodner and Luke Brunin, who Mm -hmm. will come in and play for us uh, over the course of the next year. But we felt that we needed a little bit of experience with Dante this year because we felt we'd have a pretty strong team. So Jan played with the national team at the under-18, and then he went to Edmonton's camp and then has been in here for about a week now. So you actually relied on uh, one of your defensemen and Merrick Alshner for a little bit of a scouting report? That's awesome. Well, it's always good to, to hear the, uh, the background of the player because certainly you can watch Instad and, and you can take a look at clips and you could see sometimes you actually get to see them live at tournaments like the under-17 this year. Right. But not often do you get to, to see the European players. So to have a chance to... To get some background information from a player who's played with them really helps. Oh, that's great. Shows uh, uh, that you have a lot of trust in Merrick's uh, opinion as well, so that's cool. Now, Dante and, uh, and Jan are different size goaltenders. Are they different style of goaltenders as well? Well, it's hard to say because I, I don't know Jan as well because okay. we've only had him a short period of time, but Dante's games continue to get better every year. He's been with us. He's been with us since we drafted him. Um, he's a, a, a very quick, agile, mobile goaltender who I, th- I think with with the way he plays the game he just competes so hard on pucks uh, that's one of his strong suits whereas you mentioned um, Spooner is, a, is more of a bigger guy who is positionally sound and relies on his size and positioning to kind of take away the net so a little bit different styles which is nice to have in two goaltenders. Mike Johnson, the GM and the head coach of the Portland Winterhawks, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, one thing I've uh, learned here going through the U.S. division that is that since we haven't seen that crossover between the East and West conferences, I know noth- almost nothing about your team uh, th- at this point. The Oil Kings are going down there very early in the season. And I don't know from your perspective how much you know about the teams in the in the Eastern Conference. It, you might as well be playing an OHL club at this point. It's been so long since we've seen that crossover. Yeah, that's an interesting point because we're the same. Uh, the last couple of years, we've just focused on our conference. And um, and then you, yeah, you, you may look at the other side. If you want to acquire a player, there's some movement in players, and you check on players specifically, but you really don't know teams. You don't know their style of play. You don't know because some of them have changed coaches over the last few years. And, and then you don't know their young personnel that's starting to get into that 18, 19-year-old age group where they're going to have an impact on the team. So it's it's a big adjustment. It's going to be challenging for teams when we do start to cross over to try and get a handle on the uh, opponent. We'd like to have a good scouting report, but I'm not sure we'll have exactly what we want. Well, with that in mind, tell me your, about your defensive core because there's a lot of players. I know they've some of them have been with you for two or three years already, but I know nothing about guys like Curtis Smith and Ryan McCleary and Josh Morey. So what can you tell me about your blue line? Well, as I mentioned last year, we decided to, to go with four old four defensemen, so four 17-year-old defensemen. Mm-hmm. So that was Ryder Thompson, 
Merrick Alsher, Luca Cagnoni, Josh Morey, and and they became the nucleus of our team as they matured after Christmas last year, and our team started to take off. And then as a as a 19-year-old this year, we have Ryan McCleary, the Pittsburgh draft pick, Curtis Smythe, who's a 20-year-old. But other than that, we have the, we have several young guys that are you know vying for spots and ice time. You know, Alex Thompson is a 16-year-old or only 16-year-old defenseman. And then we have Rhett Ravendahl. We have um, Carter Southern. So I, I like our group. I think our group is strong. We're deep. Um, unlike our forward group, which is pretty well set right now, we're going to have to make some adjustments and tweak it a little bit as we move forward. Uh, just like with your age groups, you, you have different uh, size defensemen. It's not like everybody is like McCleary or Alshur, who's, you know, they're both listed at 6'3", and uh, Southern, who's listed at 6'4". You also have some 5'10 guys and a 5'8 player. You like having that mix, a bit of a different a characteristic, a uh, different look from different players? I think ideally you'd like to, but it's not something that we focus on too much, uh, balancing out size. With our scouting staff, size is really not a, a factor when they're out scouting. Okay. Uh, we, look, we look for other things in our players. Uh, because, you know, they're 14, 15 year old kids when they're scouted by our guys. And, and when the draft happens, you don't know how they're going to mature. You can, you can guess, <laughs> you can try and project where they may be, but you never really know. So we, we try and look for hockey sense, skating skill, compete. Those are the key things that we look for. And size, if it, if it, you get a big guy like Merrick Alsher on defense who can skate then that's a bonus. All right, let's uh, go to your forward group, and I, I think you have uh, just one of your top five uh, scores from last year back, and that would be James Steffen. But uh, I also know that uh, Gabriel Klassen is off to a terrific start. Player of the week in the WHL, six goals in the, in the first two games. Well, let's start with those two guys in particular. On paper, at least, pretty solid one-two punch. Uh, do you expect those two guys to be your offensive leaders? Yeah, I do, and, and usually... As you know, what happens in our league is, is as a 16-year-old, the player might get five to ten goals, and all of a sudden at 17, 18, they take a big jump, and sure. they may go to to 15 to 25 goals. And then at 19, you even expect a bump then. And certainly we've seen that from Gabe Clausen to start the season, but we knew that that Gabe had that in him last year. He, he really started to take off. And James Stefan had a great year um, offensively last year. So those guys, are, are they work really well together. They may even play together. But we have some other players in our lineup that I think are going to take some steps offensively this year, like Jack O'Brien. Dawson Pasternak didn't play a, a lot last year because he was injured through the last half of the season. Robbie from Delorme as a 20-year-old forward was basically a point-of-game guy, and he, he was injured for half the year. So we have some pieces, uh, Kyle Chizowski, pieces in our lineup that I think are really going to take a, a big step this year. I wonder if there were guys who were third or fourth liners or maybe even didn't play every night, they didn't dress every night for you last year, who come to camp this year and they might be two inches taller and 15 pounds heavier or something and they look like they're ready to take on more responsibility. Are there one or two guys that come to mind when I describe it like that? Well, again, I go back to that old four group. It's a pretty strong group for us. Kyle Chizowski, Marcus Wen, and also Luke Shelter are three forwards in that old four group that are 18 years old this year that I think are all ready to take a big step. All right, so it's just wave after wave of uh, Portland Winterhawks uh, from one year to the next. That's true. All right, what do you, where do you set the bar for success this year, Mike? Uh, I, I know you're always a competitive team. You, it, all, it seems like you're 
always a contender, at least for the uh, for the division title, if not for the entire conference and the league. Where do you set the bar this year? Well, I always wait till 20 games. 20 game mark for me gives me a, a very good handle on our team and also on the league. Because as I said to you, teams are just starting to get players back up until the 10 game mark. So you really can't you know, take a look at the league and say, these are the standings that are probably going to stay. But after 20 games, you have a pretty good reflection of the overall league, um, a pretty good idea of where your team stands at that point. So usually I always wait to see where we're at after 20 games, and then we'll kind of make some decisions with our group moving forward for the year. But I, I, I believe from the outset that we should be really competitive. Our division's always strong. Uh, Seattle, Tri, Spokane, Everett, uh, you know, the U.S. division is always extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. So I expect it'll be like that again. And then we'll start to get to see the East. So we travel out East after Christmas. Uh, we travel to Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And then the Alberta teams are starting to come down here in two weeks. So it'll be interesting to see the crossover. It's been so long since you made that Eastern swing. Uh, it's gonna. Are you ready for those long bus rides again? I don't know about the winter long bus rides. I wouldn't mind them in the in the fall, but we'll take the winter this year. Well, lastly, before I let you go, the uh, the rebranding of the Winterhawks is complete. Uh, last year, you, the team uh, changes the um, the chest logo to go with the uh, the the Winterhawk uh, head uh, of the Winterhawk, and and this year a whole new color scheme, uh, fairly uh, reminiscent of uh, what we see with the Seattle Kraken. But uh, do you have any say in all of that stuff? It looks pretty sharp. Well, initially, the ownership group and our management group dug in on the logo, and we had a, a third party that, that came in to, to give us some designs and give us some looks, but we had a lot of input in that, and I actually really like it. I think it represents, obviously, a hawk, but it also represents the state of Oregon, if you look at it and you look at the how it was designed. So it'll be interesting to see as we hit the road and people take a look at our new colors and, and the hawk head. And the new colors this year we're going to come in last year, but it takes CCM a year to get the colors. So the logo and the colors were all done together. Okay. It's just that it took a year to get the uh, new colors in and the new jerseys in with CCM. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, uh, with uh, Mount Hood right built into the uh, the Hawks head, it looks great. And uh, with the color scheme, yeah, pretty sharp. I, I think anytime there's change, you hear some negative from some fans because they, they don't like change. And the, the old traditional, very similar to the Chicago Blackhawks look. Uh, any uh, response in that regard? I mean, you've been there so long. Do you have any? Uh, do you miss the old look at all? Well, we had a lot of tradition in the yeah. old look for sure, and and uh, you know you go back over the years, and I talked to Ken Hodge about it as well, and yeah, certainly you 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 feel some allegiance to to the logo and the teams of the past, but I thought with the new ownership change and. The, the, when I heard the story of the borrowed jerseys originally, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that story until it was brought up. And then you, I talked to Stan Bowman about it at the time. And and we even have a letter here that was sent from Chicago Blackhawks to loan us the jerseys. Mm-hmm. So, there, so it's quite, kind of an interesting story. But when you look at the backdrop of that and you say, you know, it's not really a hawk. It's Yeah, so we de- we designed our own logo now. We have a new identity. And there's been a lot of positives. We had great merchandise sales over the course of the last year. But certainly people, alumni, uh, people in town here look back and they still have fond memories of the, of the old uh, Blackhawk club. Well, it looks fantastic. Uh, you create your own identity. And uh, unfortunately, here in Edmonton, we got to wait another season uh, to actually see them in person. Now, Mike, best of luck this season. Really appreciate your time. 
Uh, I hope we can uh, chat again. For sure. Take care. Mike Johnston, the general manager and head coach of the always competitive Portland Winterhawks. And they do lose a bunch of good players uh, from last season. Uh, they're down to just uh, two players who are currently drafted by NHL clubs, but that's still a formidable uh, team, and he always seems to find a way to get the best out of players. I don't know what it is about the uh, the water there in uh, Portland, but the Winterhawks are always a fun team to watch, exciting team, highly offensive team, and a terrific fan base uh, in Portland as well. Still consider the uh, 2014 uh, trip going there with the Oil Kings to uh, take in the final uh, against the Winterhawks, and yes, it went the Oil Kings way, but uh, regardless, uh, that atmosphere in Portland, uh, at both at the the Rose Garden and at Moda Center at that time, and it was the playoffs, it was the finals, great rivalry between the two teams built up over three years. It's one of the highlights of my career, uh, being in, involved in that series from a broadcasting perspective. It was great, great memories, and met some cool people down there as well. Awesome, loved it. Everything from the, uh, they had two anthem singers, young lady who just knocked it out of the park and then a, a fireman who uh, did a bilingual version which blew me away that they were doing French and English it was fantastic it was awesome still think Portland an underrated hockey town and a one that should USA hockey should uh, use for the uh, world junior championship I would guess Seattle now because they have the NHL rink will probably get it before Portland uh, but Portland with uh, those two buildings sharing a parking lot just makes too much sense it's too easy Anyway, we've got one more team to get to in the U.S. Division preview, and that is the Spokane Chiefs. And the new general manager is Matt Bardsley, and he joins me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline next. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Comes back out to Yamamoto at the point. Goes over to Ellenick right circle. Now Smith at the point. Yamamoto left side, shoots and scores! Hi, this is Kyle Yamamoto for the Spokane Chiefs, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Sarah from Buford loves Wilhawk beef jerky. My husband is an expressive fan, prone to waving his arms about, which is unfortunate for those next to him, and the snacks. Do you know how hard it is to get salsa out of carpet? It was a miracle when I found Wilhawk beef jerky. No more crushed chips strewn about or toppled dips. A fistful of jerky can be waved about with little mess to clean up later. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Last stop on our tour through the WHL's U.S. division is in Spokane. We are going to speak with the general manager of the Spokane Chiefs momentarily, but a reminder that The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. It's the best beef jerky you've ever had. I can guarantee that. Go to WilhockBeefJerky.com. All right, my guest, as we uh, end this week's episode with the Spokane Chiefs, is the uh, new general manager. That would be Matt Bartsley. Uh, Matt, Matt, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Uh, thanks, Guy. I'm doing well. How are you? I appreciate you making the time like this. Uh, I, I'm doing okay, but I'm not off to a 2-0 start and sitting in first place like the Spokane Chiefs are after uh, a couple of road victories to begin the year. you got to be pretty happy with that. 
Yeah, no, I was really happy. Happy with the players, happy with our coaching staff. Our guys have done a good job since uh, training camp started and then uh, continue that into exhibition. And then to start the season, and, uh, you know, Victoria is not an easy uh, building to play in. They've, they've always, uh, you know, they're always hard to play against, and uh, so we're really happy to come away with the two wins there. Well, and 12 goals in those first two games as well. So for a team that maybe hasn't been scoring all that much the last couple of years, a, a nice uh, start to the year, and some of your guys have burst out of the gate here early on as well. Uh, we're going to get to know your team for this season, but maybe we'll start uh, by looking at uh, who's not back from last year's squad and uh, I know you weren't there for the whole season so the uh, 01 players from last year who uh, are aged out now from the WHL are Bear Hughes and Nick McCary and I think those are the only two 20s that ended uh, the season last year Uh, also not back I know Reed Jacobson because he's here in Edmonton with the Oil Kings but anybody else uh, not back for for Chiefs fans uh, that they'll notice uh, this weekend yeah uh, you're right uh, with with the players you mentioned the other uh well, I guess the two players um, from last year. One is Eric Atchison, who is another uh, overage, and because of the, you know, only allowed to have three, we did have to make a decision on two. So uh, we did, uh, you know, put him on waivers. He wasn't claimed, um, so uh, he may be, be, be uh, with him being American, he, uh, he may be looking at the USHL of the North, North American League. Right. Um, and then the other uh, player was just through the import draft was. Uh, um, Timothy Kovarenya, uh, who was here, um, and then uh, he he was not returning, so we had made a selection in the uh, the import draft, and uh, uh, so yeah, so those are the two other players that that are not uh, returning. All right, well, I, I was just having a chat with uh, Mike Johnson, uh, your counterpart from the Portland Winterhawks, and I was telling him because we haven't seen the crossover between the East and West conferences at this point. I don't know anybody on your team, basically, outside of uh, some of their names. But uh, So I'm going to rely on you to uh, introduce me to your team. I know you're new to the team, though, as well, just being uh, brought in uh, late last spring. But let's start in net. And I, I know Mason Bopit, big goaltender, drafted by the San Jose Sharks. But you got a couple other goalies uh, still with the team. I, and I'm not sure, is Bopit back yet from San Jose for you? Will he be able to dress for you this weekend or not? Yeah, he uh, uh, Mason returned uh, yesterday and uh was was at practice so he was just recently uh, returned um all accounts he had a really really good camp in uh, san jose and, and played a couple of games in their in their rookie tournament um so it was a real positive experience i was able to talk to mason he really enjoyed it and uh so we're looking forward to having him back and then we have two other goaltenders as well we have uh uh, Cooper McCulloch, who was uh, came up late last year and, and played some games down the stretch and in the playoffs for Spokane, and then also Manny Pangley, who was with the team as well uh, during the year. So uh, we're currently three goaltenders, and uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. All right, well, McCulloch, uh, an Edmonton area kid, sixth round pick for you. He got the uh, two wins this past weekend. A big summer for Bo Pitt, wasn't it? I mean, he got to play at Hockey Canada's camp, and by all accounts, had a good camp there, and. And then, as you said, uh, with San Jose, you were in the uh, the scouting capacity last year with the Philadelphia Flyers, so you would have had a chance to watch him from that perspective. Does that change anything when you're watching a guy as a, an NHL team scout compared to as a you know what was a rival GM or uh, a scout in the uh, in the WHL? Um, you know, maybe a little bit because I think at the NHL level, you're you know even at the Western League level, it's always about projecting. But the NHL, I think you're projecting further out than you would be as far as projecting within the, the Western League itself. But, right. you know, you're right. I was I was able to see Spokane and Mason uh, certainly a handful of times last year. So 
you know, got familiar with him and even with the other players. Um, so coming in, I wasn't, you know, I was a bit familiar with, with the roster, but, but regarding uh, Mason, I mean, we, you know, coming in, I knew that uh, he certainly is, is a high quality goaltender. Um, again, I know San Jose was quite excited and, and we're certainly excited to have him back. Uh, speaking with that, Matt Barsley is the general manager of the uh, Spokane Chiefs uh, here on the Pipeline Show as we wrap up this look at the WHL's U.S. division. Uh, your defenseman, and uh, outside of Graham Sward, I, I really don't know the names. Sage Weinstein is a, a, a highly projected player for the uh, 2023 NHL draft, but I only know him by name. Uh, maybe we can start there, and uh, you can tell me what kind of a defenseman he is. Well, with Sage, uh, he's you know he's a really good skater. Is uh, is quite physical. Um, you know he can. He's, he's done a really good job of of having a balance of uh, when he engages physically. Um, he likes to get up into the rush. Uh, he has a good shot. Um, I think even uh, what I call like closing speed when when players uh, you know are. are Attacking our nets, and if, if the play's going in deep, he, he does a real good job of, of you know closing uh, closing the gap quite quickly. Um, I think Sage has a lot of upside. Uh, like I said, physically strong, so uh, he's a player we're really excited for. Certainly in his draft year, um, and for him to have that opportunity with with Team Canada on the Holinka team, I think we all know that age group is a very very strong age group. So we were excited for Sage to get that opportunity and take that experience. Uh, not only into camp, but into the season this year. Another Edmonton uh, kid on your club. Uh, now, Graham Swarty, he was uh, finally taken in the NHL draft, the second opportunity uh, for him after not being taken the first year. Uh, what does that do for him coming into this season? Probably a, a new level of confidence for him than uh, what we may have seen last year? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I got to spend just a little bit of time with Graham yesterday. He returned a couple of days ago from Nashville. And we just talked about the experience. And, you know, he just talked about just, you know, being at that level. And, and the great thing for Graham was being able to uh, go from rookie camp into main camp. So there, you know, he's with all the veteran players and really gets a, a good good feel of where he's at, kind of the self-evaluation of, you know, what he needs to do, areas that he has to improve on. But, you know, he just talked about the strength of the players, certainly their experience, uh, how everything just happens a little bit quicker. So I think it's it's, it's so good for, for players that, to have that experience because now they have a real good evaluation of where they need to get to. And then, uh, you know, they come back at a, at a, at a pretty high level, and we, we hope that they can maintain that as, as long as possible. But Graham, I think Graham's one of the top defensemen in the league, and uh, you know he certainly seems to have a lot of confidence coming back from Nashville's camp. Well, high praise. Uh, all right, now as I mentioned, the the rest of your blue line—they're just names on a piece of paper for me. Uh, I know Matt Gross got off to a good start, uh, three goals in the first two games of the season, uh, but I don't know anything about the the rest of your blue line. So uh, walk me through it. How do you describe these guys? Yeah, well, you know, we're real excited about our defense. I think uh, we have a real good core from, uh, you know, basically we have eight eight defensemen right now. And, uh, you know, they can all play. Um, it's a good mix, a good blend. We have some size. We have some speed, some physicality. Um, you know, and starting, we have two 20-year-old defensemen. We have uh, Reagan Wiles, who uh, who's a really good uh, defenseman. He kind of do, does a little bit of everything. He's got real good speed, likes to likes to rush the puck has a good shot. Uh, he's good at defending. Um, he's just he's just an all-around defenseman uh, that we're real excited to have. Uh, as you mentioned, Matt Gross had a real good start. Uh, player with, with size, good mobility, um, is, is steady in, in all areas of the ice. 
Um, so we're, you know, real excited for, for where Max at again, kind of coming in. I wasn't sure with him being one of the 20 year olds, uh, but he made a real big impression on me and certainly with our group with the summer that he had. So it was good to see where Max at. Uh, we have other players. We have Braden Crampton, who was, uh, I believe, a first year player last year in the league. Um, again, a, little, a guy that can do a little bit of everything. And uh, along with him, we have uh, we have one of our 16 year old defensemen and uh, Will McIsaac who was a second-round pick of Spokane in that age group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we believe Will's got real big upside. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited about where he's going to be able to get to. And then uh, we have Logan Cunningham and Ben Bonnie as well, um, who, who's with the group. And so, like I said, all in all, we're real excited about our defense. Um, they can all play. They're all interchangeable. Um, they... They bring a lot of qualities, um, and they all bring maybe something a little bit different, which is nice to have. Well, you mentioned uh, the two 20-year-olds on the back end, and when I look up front, there's just uh, Cade Hayes' 20-year-old. So you're down to that number already and comfortable there? You don't have any uh, tough decisions to make? That's nice at this point of the year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we you know we tried to use camp and then certainly an exhibition to uh, to try to get a bit of a feel, you know, especially when you have five. You know, it's. Uh, I think we we had a firm idea where we were after exhibition. At the same time, too, we wanted to make sure that players like Reed and and Eric um, had opportunities as well. Because I think we all know the longer you wait, uh, maybe that window starts to close as far as opportunities within the league. So, you know, they weren't easy decisions uh, because, like I said, there are five. They're all good players and they're all really good people. But uh, unfortunately, we we had to make decisions, so we decided to do that uh, sooner than later. Uh, well, take me through your forward group, and uh, I guess we can start with your leading scorer right now, another Edmonton kid, uh, Cooper Jozowski, who's got five points in just two games this year. He only had eight points for you last season. He's already almost equaled his uh, entire season output from a year ago in just the first two games. He probably couldn't have scripted a better start for himself uh, after what we've seen here. Yeah, no, we're real happy with Cooper. And in, in, in a way, it's not surprising because he really came into camp with uh, – with a real good approach to the game. Uh, seemed real excited. Um, we like his game. He's got some quickness. He has, uh, he has a really good shot, really good release. And I do remember Cooper from, uh, my last year in, in Kamloops with, uh, with, with this age group, with the, with the band drop with the old five. So I think, uh, Cooper always, uh, you know, everyone knew that he could score. Um, and, and he showed that in camp and even in exhibition. And then, uh, you know, he, he could make plays as well. Uh, but yeah, he's he's just he's carried everything over from uh, from camp to exhibition, and now obviously having a good start to uh, to the regular season. So you know, hopefully he can uh, continue that momentum and 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 stay with it. But uh, yeah, we've been happy with Cooper. Well, your top leading scorer from last year uh, from last year's team uh, is uh, Graham Sward, who on the back end. But next is Chase Berthelet, who had 41 points in 47 games, uh, and he's back uh, for, with the team. This year as a 19-year-old, uh, I'm expecting that uh, he's probably a guy you're going to be leaning on uh, as uh, one of your offensive leaders. Is that fair? Yeah, I believe so. He, uh, Like you said, he came in last year. And, uh, again, when I was just scouting, like, you know, I thought he really embraced the opportunity he was given in Spokane, and, and he ran with it. And then same thing, coming into camp, getting to know him a little bit, uh, really enjoy getting to know Chase, real good person, uh, real good teammate. Uh, had a good camp, and then he went to Winnipeg's camp. Uh, and uh, when I when I talked to Winnipeg when they were returning him, they were real impressed with his camp. And when he came right into Victoria, like he, 
you know, you could tell where he was at camp because he had really good speed. He, he seemed to have a lot of confidence right from the get-go, and uh, he played really well in the first two games. And, and we expect he's going to be one of our top offensive players. And uh, But, again, he's – He's a real good uh, teammate, and he's going to be real good with our guys and even with our young guys. Well, and you've got a bunch of young guys, so you're going to need that uh, veteran leadership for sure. But uh, Berkeley Catton, first overall pick in the 2021 draft. He's with your club, two points uh, in opening weekend. Uh, I think a lot of people don't know this guy quite yet um, because we haven't had those the crossover games between the East and the West. Uh, what can you tell us about Berkeley? Yeah, Berkeley's a pretty special player. He's another player I've been real impressed with with his approach to the game. You know, he's very driven. He wants to be the best, um, but he can he can do it all really easy. He's a really good skater, great on his edges. His hockey sense is quite high. Uh, he's got a great shot. He can make plays. So he's uh, you know for, even for a young player. I mean, he's a player that when he's on the ice, you know, everyone has to be aware of him. Um, I just see a lot of upside. Uh, with with Berkeley, and I mean, there was I guess there's a reason why he was the first overall pick, and and uh, another player just really really impressed with his character, and again, like I said, his approach to the game, and and he's he's going to be a fun one for uh, certainly for the, the the fans in Spokane to watch, and uh, yeah, he's he's an exciting player. Now you picked up an Italian in the uh, import draft, Thomas DeLuca, uh, Tommaso uh, DeLuca, excuse me. Uh, now are you tapping into your uh, Philadelphia Flyers uh, European scouting staff uh, for some information on him? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's an interesting player. I mean, we you know I had heard about him once I uh, joined Spokane and and did some research and and talked to some people and you know he's he is from Italy, but he's been playing in Switzerland for the last few years and. Uh, you know, he did have a real strong season with his uh, U-20 team over in Switzerland. So, uh, you know, I get, get to know him a little bit, just felt comfortable with, with him as a person. And uh, so when we made that selection, we were real happy to have him. And he's he's been really good, like just everything. His personality, he's got real good energy. He's always got a smile on his face. Um, he's really acclimated himself quite well coming over uh, to North America and even just, you know, we always know it takes a little bit of time with the players coming over from Europe with, you know, just everything. The the culture, living with a new family, knowing no new teammates, size of the ice. And he's made the transition quite seamlessly. So it's uh, it's been quite impressive. He had a real good start this weekend as well. And and uh, he's a, he's an 04 birth year, but he's a real late. He's a late December 04. So this is his draft year. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing uh, where that goes for him, but uh, but he's had a good start, and we trust that he's going to continue that. Well, the Chiefs uh, win the first two games of the season on the road. Now you got a five-game homestand, uh, including a, a visit from Kamloops at Edmonton and uh, uh, cross-division uh, rivals in, in Portland and Tri-City uh, along the way here as well. When you look at the rest of the division and maybe the, the Western Conference, where do you set the bar for what you would consider to be a successful season? This is the team that finished seventh in the conference last year. Is it go from there and build? I mean, you got a young team, uh, but I don't know what you would, uh, what, what sort of goal you're shooting for. Is it just get in the playoffs and go from there? Yeah, well, you know, obviously we, you always want to make the playoffs, but I think, you know, short term, we we just want to keep getting better every day. And our, you know, our coaching staff has done a really good job with uh, Ryan Smith and Stephen Legion and Dustin Donahue and, and all of our staff, they've done a real good job uh, working with our players, preparing our players, and our players have done a great job um, applying all that. And so, you know, certainly we want to be in the playoffs. We want to 
but we, we just want to be improving every day because as you mentioned, like our division's really tough. I mean, Seattle's going to be quite strong again. Mm -hmm. uh, Portland's going to be good. Everett's always good. And, and, and Tri-Cities are rival and, and they're going to be competitive. So it's, there's not going to be any easy nights. And I think the same thing in the, in the conference. I mean, we know Kamloops is, is real strong. And then and with them being the host of the Memorial Cup, uh, they're, they're going to be getting better every day. So I just think overall in the conference, again, there's no easy nights. So we certainly want to be in the playoffs, but I think if we just stay focused and try to get better every single day, um, you know, if, if you're doing that, then hopefully all that's going to take care of itself. Well, uh, you got lots of uh, interesting and intriguing players on the roster. I'm a fan of Mason Bulpit, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does uh, this year. And uh, moving forward, I think this is a fun team to watch. And uh, Matt, I really appreciate your time. Best of luck this season for you and the Chiefs, and uh, hopefully we can chat again. That's great. I really appreciate it, Gabe. All the best. Matt Bardsley is the final guest of this week's episode as he's the uh, GM of the Spokane Chiefs. And I do think there are some interesting pieces to that uh, that club this year to watch, and Mason Bopit is just one of them. I, I do think they're going to score more than we've seen them over the last two or three years as well. You got to go back to the years Adam Beckman and uh, the like. You know, right after the Yamamoto's were done, they still had one more pretty offensive year where I think they were you know top ten in scoring. Uh, since then, though, it's really dropped off. So the uh, Chiefs have a long way to go to get back into the competitive stage of the uh, cycle. Uh, but I think they're probably, no, probably a year ahead of where the Tri-City Americans are right now. And uh, we'll see. As those two clubs start to come up the standings, will teams like Portland and Seattle and Everett, will they come back down to them or not? Don't think it's this year, but maybe we'll see that transition take place over the next couple of seasons. But that does it for this week's episode. Uh, thanks to everyone who has been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show where you can get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the show. Also wanted to take a second and uh, thank those who have wherever you get your copy of the pipeline show from. If there's a way to leave a rating and or a comment that goes a long way to uh, getting new listeners on board, believe it or not. Uh, because somebody will just Google uh, hockey podcast or something and the, the pipeline show will come up. Somebody will read the review and see that you like the show and they'll give it a try. And that brings new listeners. Uh, so if you have that ability, that option, uh, please take a second and, and leave a comment for uh, new listeners to uh, introduce them to the show. We would really appreciate that. Next week on the program, well, we got to get to the other leagues. We haven't, we've just been talking WHL for a full solid month. College hockey is about to begin. The OHL begins this weekend. The Q has started as well as the WHL did. The USHL underway. The, the NAL, the NAHL has been going for a while. Junior A leagues in Canada as well. So we got lots of catch-up to do. The next couple of weeks, there might not be a WHL uh, guest on the show because we got lots of other hockey to talk about. And, of course, we'll keep the 2023 draft spotlight turned on. We uh, got back to that. We've had three of them now, all of them, first round of, uh, projected players this week obviously with Connor Bedard the expected number one overall pick a few weeks back we had Adam Fantilli as well as uh, Matthew Wood you can go back into the archives and uh, find those other two interviews uh, I do not know who that guest will be next week but uh, definitely somebody that will be uh, trying to line up uh, for sure of note for the 2023 NHL draft all right that does it as I'm speaking with you right now it's Thursday I know most of you are getting this episode on a Friday 
But it's Thursday here in Edmonton, and I gotta go because the Oil Kings are hosting Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats tonight, and I'm on the broadcast, so I gotta go. Until next week, everybody, get out there and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week, right here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya!